Welcome to Planet Chaos. I am Brandon Chaos. With me, as always, is Ed Giggity. Hello, hello. All right. And a little bit of a change up there in the regular theme music could only mean one thing. That's right. Later on in the show, uh, you're going to hear an interview that we did with uh, Kurt Sodergren from Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Great guy, nice, nice, such, down to earth guy. Such a yeah, such a nice dude. We uh, we went down to the uh, newly renovated and restored Robbins Theater in beautiful downtown Warren, Ohio. Uh, it was a cool experience, though. We really got to was. see uh, a nice sneak peek of what they got going on down there. We were down there, and uh, a lot of the construction guys were still there finishing up the green rooms. <laughs> The yeah. dressing room wasn't even done. Yeah, it wasn't even, wasn't even done. They had the show that night. Yeah. Because we were going to uh, we were gonna do the interview backstage, but it wasn't done yet. So we ended up having to go into the hallway and do it like right by some office buildings and shit. It was but it was cool. It was a cool experience. Yeah. It, was, it was weird for me walking around downtown Warren and then walking in that place. It's like... Wow, this, this, <laughs> like, this doesn't even look like it belongs in downtown. No. Yeah. It was cool, though. Uh, but yeah, we we had a nice sit-down chat with uh, Kurt from Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. A lot of, uh, a lot of interesting stories. I could have I could have talked to that guy all day long. Oh, you know? yeah. Like the, uh, the Stevie Wonder story. Oh, that was amazing. You know? Amazing. Yeah. Well, then... Uh, their uh, publicist or manager, or whatever, uh, Brian, sent me over the the press kit. You know, um, and then there was a there was a story in there about uh, it was like an article about their Super Bowl performance because they performed at Super Bowl thirty three, right? Is that thirty? Yeah, thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. Yeah, Super Bowl thirty three. Uh, with uh, Gloria Estefan and Stevie Wonder, and they actually. Uh, performed as the backing band for Stevie Wonder that night and they performed uh, Sir Duke with him um, but they you know everything like, like TV live TV performances are not live they're pre-recorded um, usually whenever an artist is doing a live TV performance they pre-record it in the studio live you know that way they can make sure there's no fuck ups yeah you know like if you're performing actually performing live on TV you could fuck it up here in the studio like Mariah Carey keep, did a couple years ago yeah you just keep re-recording it until you get a perfect take it's basically yeah. how they do it but they were recording with Stevie Wonder and I guess he was on the phone or whatever and they were told at first oh Stevie's not in the room but then it turned out he actually was well what I read in this article was uh, you know Scott the lead singer was so excited when you know when he found out Stevie was actually in the room, you know he said, "I I wish you could see my smile right now." Oh, and, and Stevie, Stevie said to him, "I can even Stevie Wonder could see your smile right now." Wow. Yeah. Oh, Stevie Wonder knows he's fucking blind. He's got a sense of humor about it. Did you ever hear the story about uh, Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby went to Stevie Wonder's hotel. He left the door partially open for him. So he just walks in. And uh, Stevie Wonder was 
in the bathroom. There's completely pitch black, dark. You know, none of the lights were on. And uh, Bill says, Stevie, what are you doing? He said, I'm shaving. And Bill said, you're shaving in the dark? He said, I'm Stevie Wonder. I do everything in the dark. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, Stevie Wonder's got a sense of humor about being a blind guy. There was a theory I read years ago about they think Stevie Wonder is just legally blind, but not like... All the, way like blind. all the way blind. Like he sees shadows oh, yeah. and shapes and oh, stuff like that. Don't know. You'd have to ask him about it. Well, get, <laughs> get him booked. Yeah. That'll be our next surprise thing. Like I'd say, what well, our two guests this week are super talented people. Yeah. I felt very minuscule. I always thought. Yeah, I was coming up a little bit, we've got uh, uh, Martin Dunn. He's a uh, comic book artist. I didn't really under. I didn't know the extent of. Uh, you know, the, oh, what, every, everything he's done, uh, I didn't know the extent of it until I really started researching him. I'm like, wow, this dude. Yeah. He, he plays in a band called uh, Less Than Expected. We're going to talk about his music, a little bit of his comic work and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then we got Kurt from Big Bad Voodoo Daddy coming up as well. Good show. What, what the fuck, though? Like, man, what's this fucking Trump up to, man? I got to bring this up. It's done. Like what's he blew, this guy, dude? he like, blew up the thing. He did a strike. A few days later, Iran said, "Hey guys, we're gonna blow up these bases. Get your guys out of there." And then blew up some of our shit. And they, they say it's but equal. They, now. They, they they like took down that plane, that Ukrainian plane. See, I don't think. I think that Iran doesn't want to admit to it. That even if they say, "Dude." I don't know why one of our missiles just locked on it because that's what it's supposed to do. They shouldn't have been where they were. And just apologize. And just yeah. be the bigger person. Be like, hey, our bad. You know, that that was an unfortunate accident. We definitely did not intend that to happen. We were, we were this, working with the families. This fucking Trump, though, man. Listen to me. Okay, like, What's wrong with Trump? Look, look, This is look, one of the few times look, I don't think he did anything wrong. Look, you know, war tactics and, you know, all that shit, it's supposed to be confidential. This guy, he's going around Mar-a-Lago in the halls talking to some of his buddies. And we're not talking about, like, his working in the government buddies, his military buddies. He's just saying, hey, 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 check this out. There's going to be some big shit going on with Iran. You guys need to, like, keep an ear out for that. Yeah. Before they even took out the general. Like, what are, the, what are you doing, dude? I mean, you gotta brag. It's, why do you do this? I have the words you could brag. Like, you know, Obama wasn't going around. I mean, like the night before the attack that took out Osama bin Laden, they had like the uh, was the presidential whatever the correspondence the dinner. correspondence dinner. Yeah. You know, and uh, was it Seth Myers, the guy from SNL? You know, the weekend update guy from yeah. he, well, he's not on there anymore. I don't know what he's doing now, but he has a. The, the late late show. Okay. After. All right. Yeah. Seth Martin. He took yeah. over for uh, Kilborn, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, but he was at the correspondence dinner making jokes about Bin Laden, and there's Obama fucking just sitting there, just smiling at the jokes, you know, not knowing, like, in just minutes, like, boom, Osama's done for, you know. And then you got Trump just going around bragging, like, hey. <laughs> Check it out. This is what I'm about to do. Like, come on. Okay, being the president aside, <laughs> all right, aside from him being the president, okay, you're fucking Donald Trump. 
All right, everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows who you are from your film appearances, the fact that you were just everywhere in the 80s. You did the, the Apprentice. Okay, everybody knows who Donald Trump is. Yeah. All right. So here's a guy, one of the most well-known guys in the world, runs for president, and it's like if you're a critic of his, he wants to go on Twitter and blast you. If, if you're praising him, he wants to share your shit on Twitter and be like, hey, 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 look at this. Like, you're Donald Trump. Why do you need any sort of validation? Why do you need to answer to your critics? Ego. I mean, come on. Michael Rappaport started shit with me. You don't see me going on there. Fucking crazy. Hey. Like, over Listen here, you pasty bitch. (laughs) I told him he looked looked like a crackhead Mr. Magoo. He's always squinting oh, his man. eyes. Like, he's always so confused. Like, what? Am I supposed to be here? Like, you don't, you don't need to. Like, you're <laughs> when you're a celebrity, you don't need to address your critics, and you don't need to seek out validation from the people who are for you. You just do what you do, and who fucking cares? You know. That is the gold of Twitter. Twitter, oh, oh my, no, it's not about you, friends. Twitter is about pissing off celebrities and getting a reaction. That's what Twitter is. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I love reading that shit. Love every minute of this it. fucking guy, though, man, come on. Jeez. Thousands and millions of followers. I'm going to pick on this guy that has 13. <laughs> yeah. Because he said something that I misconstrued. Because my squinty oh, ass man. eyes couldn't read it right. So then we had a pretty unpredictable weekend of uh, football, too. Yeah. Yes, it was crazy. Well, I mean, not really. I mean, we everybody knew the Niners were going to take it to the next level. But who expected the Titans, man? Remember the Titans. Jeez, Tannehill just coming out of nowhere. Yeah, with his 80-odd 80 80 yards of passing. That's all he had. 80 yards of passing. 80, 86, 80, something like that. And Under then, 90. And then you got the Browns. Oh, he hired the... Hey, who's the first person that loses this week gets the job? That's that's their punishment for losing (laughs) against the Niners. Yeah. Just Uh, think, if the Niners would have lost, we probably would have got someone else. The Chiefs? Yeah, Chiefs aren't doing so hot. Nah, as of right now, they're down by two touchdowns, I think. I guess we're looking at uh, Titans and Texans taking on the AFC Championship, man. Maybe. for them. You know what? It's still the first quarter. I'm not ruling anything out yet. Matt and Curse will probably catch up to him this week. Yeah. I, I'm still going to go out on a limb, though, and say the Seahawks make it to the NFC Championship. Yeah, I didn't realize the Packers were as good as, like, I haven't heard nothing about the Packers, really. Like, they've been, like, the quiet, good team. You know, the the only people that really talk about the Packers these days are Packers fans mm-hmm. who jumped on that bandwagon back in the 90s. No, Packers fans are Packers fans. They jumped on the bandwagon in the 90s when Favre was the guy, you know? And then Favre's out, and they want to talk about Rodgers being the GOAT. Like He's not the GOAT. I mean, he's no. definitely up Rogers there. Rodgers is an above-average quarterback. Yes, he he's a good quarterback. Okay, he, he's above-average, you know? He's, I'd say, a, a future Hall of Famer. I don't know. Would you call him a future. Though? Would you, would he's you say he's, he's, no, he's, he's above-average. No. Yeah, he's above-average. He's a great quarterback. When, he's when, not an elite quarterback. when the Packers have a good season, it's because he's surrounded by a lot of talent. Yeah. 
okay? When he, he has a bad season, it's because he's being Aaron Rodgers surrounded by a bunch of bums. If he gets hurt you know? early in the season, I've noticed that he'll – what he'll do is he'll get a little bit of hurt, and instead of being like, dude, just give me a week off, I'll be back. He wants to play through the pain, and he hurts himself worse and fucks the whole season. Sounds like uh, <clears throat> another quarterback who I would actually say is elite, but uh, Ben Roethlisberger. But a lot of that is – a lot of that, though, is his coaches saying, we got nothing else, Ben. You got to go out there, you know? They couldn't say that this year. No, I mean, he had a serious injury this year. Yeah. But normally they don't have anybody. You know, this is the one place where I will give the Patriots all the credit in the fucking world. They they may take in bums on second and third string, but they mold them to be as good as their first stringers. Yeah. That's where the the Patriots are always winning, man. Next man up. So yeah. next man up. Yeah, you and I've said it before on the show. Like, you always need to be looking for the future, man. Mm-hmm. You don't know when, you know, your guy is going to have a career-ending injury. You always want to play away. Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. Like, nobody expected Ben to go down like that. No. And it ended his season. Man, it ended his career. It. You know? We'll find out in a few weeks when he goes back for a checkup. If his career is over. He'll be out there raping people with two hands again. Don't hey. worry. <laughs> I, you know, it's it yeah. sucks seeing someone good. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger. I hate him for being a Steeler, but honestly, he is a good guy. He's a good he's a future Hall of Famer, man. He's had a Hall of Fame uh, career. Yeah, because he won how many Super Bowl Steelers? Two. two or three? Been to three. One, three. two. Yeah, so that's good. You know, I mean, youngest Coward. quarterback, youngest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. I didn't ask that. Coward. He well, just got his one. And the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. You can't forget about Cower though. Cower. Yeah. I mean, Cower started him, right? Yeah. Yeah. He took. Yeah. Cower took Ben to his first Super Bowl. Tomlin took him to his second, and third. And like they, they fell to the Packers. Being they, from they went down. They went down with the fight, though. Yeah. Yeah. Being from Northeast Ohio, being a diehard Browns fan, I have grown up hating Steelers as a child, but as an adult. It's hard seeing, like, stability. Like, they have such stability. Yeah. Like, I was so shocked, like, beginning of the year when, you, when Steelers trainers called for, the, for Tomlin's head. Yeah. I'm like, are you fucking yeah. serious right now? The guy's an elite coach. Yeah, he yeah. lost his top quarter. He has nobody. And they still were one one win away from the playoffs were, this year. Dude, they were playing with second and third stringers from no-name colleges. Exactly. And they like, still went 8-8. Eight and eight. As an adult, I'm like... You can't fuck with a coach like that. Man. Yeah. As you know, a kid at heart, a football fan, I'm like... You don't see Steelers, Pete Carroll but, doing that. You don't see no. Jason Garrett doing that. You mm-hmm. see Mike Tomlin doing that. I don't know what the hell wrong with that Garrett guy. He had... He has Zeke. He, he has all those people down there. He's just... He, you know, he's, he's like Freddie Kitchens. He's got all the talent in the world as far as players go. But he just can't pull shit together. You know? And that's what... What makes guys like Tomlin and Belichick such great coaches is because they can make something out of nothing. Yeah, they really can. You know? That's what made Cower a great Same thing with Cower. God, I hate him so much. Cower's biggest downfall was really pushing more out of Cordell Stewart than he should have. Well, when we want to slash stuff, when you slash, you know what, though? 
Cordell Stewart should have had a shorter career than what he did. He gave quarter, but that was an opportunity. Like there was not very many black quarterbacks. They didn't really elect mm-hmm. quarterbacks. He really said, "I have this guy. This week's good at. We're using him all over the field." Yeah. When they did this, I remember the slash stuff, and you know, of course, it's easier throwing a Heinz Ward, and yeah, you have the big details. Uh, then they still, then they have Santonio Holmes too. Yeah, Santonio. Yeah. yeah, you had all those yeah. big guys. It was, makes it easy. Yeah. Uh, so last week we talked about Brady possibly retiring. Yeah. And now he just came out and said he signed a two-year extension. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's staying with the Patriots, though. You think they'll trade him? Uh, I think it's a huge possibility. Oh, well, they'll trade him that's, for that number one you know, pick. That's, that's I, what I said last year, man. I have no doubt in my mind they'll do that. They're going to go for that number one pick. They want Lawrence. They should get him. Yeah. Well, what is, yeah. it? what is that? This Monday or next Monday is the National Championship game? Uh, it's this Monday. This Monday, yeah. yeah. I have to watch it tomorrow night. Yeah, I. I know it's. it's you know, all the Ohio State fans are going for LSU. Yeah, I am. Oh, man. I don't know. I think Clemson's going to pull off that dub. Mm-mm. I think they will, man. I tell you what, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I don't, I don't get game. into NCAA football, but I might, I might watch that game. I'm going to. It's I'm going to skip wrestling game. and watch it. Yeah. Speaking of wrestling, yeah, NXT here in town next weekend, Saturday night. I, oh, think, was, I thought it was last night. No. Is that Saturday? Yeah. Oh. Next Saturday, yeah. I thought it was yeah. this Saturday. And then, uh, I don't think I'm going to be around. And pages happen. Oh, there goes your picture. Well, that just broke. What the fuck? You just broke your REM picture. It was an REM. What is it? It's Ramada. Oh. Hmm, I just saw the REM online. It didn't break. Hey. Saved. I think something went in my coffee, though, or I bumped my coffee. <laughs> the studio's falling apart. I knew, you know what? I knew it was a bad idea when I hung out there. I got coffee on my pants now. Yeah, Nothing broke, though. Like, I'm surprised, man. Sounded like it. Oh, the back broke off. Oh, yeah, the frame itself broke. That's Glass cool. didn't break, though. These frames are cheap as shit, though. Jeez. Fucking bullshit, man. Something's always fucking breaking around here. Yeah. Jeez. We have a punk show in here. Maybe they'll break some guitars or something. Just smash it. Yeah, are, yeah. They are known for smashing their guitars. They are. They are. That screw held up pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. My wife said it wouldn't hold up. There's one thing your wife knows is about a strong screw. I uh, wonder if anything went in my coffee. That's nah, fine. It's not. It definitely not gonna be glass. It's a broken glass. Nah, it's fine. Chug it and see. Just swirl it around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're good. A little asbestos in a yeah. coffee. Never heard anything. Yeah. Uh, so what'd you think of the Robbins Theater, though, man? It was beautiful. Beautiful, theater, man. It, it, like I said, it was like go, stepping outside of Warren, going somewhere else. Yeah. You don't think a place like that could exist. You know, uh, that show was like a, it was a formal event. Yeah, I saw yeah, the news. You were all required to wear tuxes and shit. They actually yeah. had members of the Harding football team working as doormen and ushers and stuff. Oh yeah, That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a nice conversation there after the interview with uh, Kenny from Sunrise Entertainment. Yeah, nice yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a super nice dude. It was he he owns uh, the Sunrise Inn pizza shop. I think shop. so. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. 
But I know that him and his brothers run uh, Sunrise Entertainment. They do all the stuff at the Amp. Uh, they do, do stuff with Packer, and I guess they're doing all the shit at uh, Robbins. Actually, well, I, I really hope. And then they had Lisa and Bailey the next night. How does that yeah, go? Yeah, I don't I know. I didn't see anything about uh, that. Yeah. But I hope, I hope it stays up. I hope it's lucrative. Because I think. You know, Warren, I, it's where I grew up, you know, most time, like, and it hurts. Like, when I left and then came back to see how bad it got, yeah. it was like, the, but it seems like they're trying to bring it back around, though, now. Well, it really does. It seems like they're trying. <clears throat> Downtown looks great. I'm not going Downtown looks a lot better than it used to be. You know what I hate about the area, though? It's just Warren, Youngstown, all of Northeastern Ohio in general. Um... You know, it's it's so depressing. You know, you got jobs constantly leaving, and you got these old ass blue collar guys. You know, these ones that that think that GM's coming back, the ones that think that manufacturing is going to bring this area back. You know, you look at you know the cities in this country that are doing well financially, San Francisco. Uh, Seattle, Orlando, uh, San Diego, uh, uh, San Antonio, you know, the cities that are, you know, booming economically and what really fuels an economy is tech jobs, tourism, and entertainment. I still think that no, they never want to move forward here. That's that's, that's the exactly thing. what it is. Like you know, these manufacturing the jobs things. are not going to save Youngstown. They're no. not going to save the valley. You got to look towards the future. Tech jobs, tourism, entertainment. Yeah. Those are the things. Like tourism is huge. Like tourism is the big thing. Like you, you want you want to bring money in from other areas. That's what you want to do. You want to make a destination because the thing is, yeah. is people like you think, well, who's going to vacation to Youngstown, Ohio? Well, think about it. If you have if something you, here for them to do, yeah. yeah. If you live out in Bristol or way out like middle of Ohio where there's shit to do yeah. and you want to do like a one tank trip, like go there on a Friday after work and come home Sunday. Yeah. Youngstown's perfect to go to. Is there something here? Yeah, exactly. There's people, when I went to the monster truck thing uh, last year with my kids, the people next to us. They're from like some town Ohio I never even heard of, but they said they drove all the way here because it's closer than Cleveland. Yeah. And the same same thing with the the wrestling shows and all the concerts that come through. Well, you know, you remember a few years ago, and they they put on shows at Packard all the time. But at mm-hmm. Packard, they had Rob Zombie. You remember that? I do not. It was like that. a one one off show. Like it, he wasn't even on tour, and they just brought Rob Zombie in, flew him out from L.A. Him and his band, they did a one-off show and then boom, back to L.A. Because it, it was not on a tour, there was no stops in Pittsburgh, Columbus, Cleveland, all that. It was in Warren, Ohio. And I know people from Columbus, Pittsburgh, Mansfield, Sandusky, who made the drive for this fucking show. Because it was just a one-off show. They knew it wasn't going to be part of a tour. And those people need a place to sleep, a place to eat. There were, dude, the hotels were all booked solid. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think that's what they're trying to do out at the mall. I think the next thing in the mall, they're going to put an arena out there. They're going to do something out there. Well, the the Southern Park Mall, they're building an entertainment complex, which is brilliant. Yeah. That whole big area there. Yeah, all. you need 
you know, like I, I keep saying, like somebody with a lot of fucking money needs to build like a Kalahari or a Great Wolf Lodge somewhere. That right is, there. that has been my dream. I think that, that was the original concept with that hotel. I'm not gonna mention by name, but that hotel out there in Austin Town. Yeah. I think that was the original concept where they were gonna go with it, but now it's oh, the one where they had all the licensing issues yeah, and all that. Yeah. That was so BS. Yeah. They should just yeah. But See, I think, I think that was where thing. he planned on going with it. That's another thing. Like the local politicians, like they, they're old and stubborn and. They don't look to the future. Yeah, it's you have to. You know, manufacturing is not gonna. It, I mean, America. You know, as far as technology goes, we kind of lead the pack. No, no, we hold do on, not. Hold on. So you've got countries that are less developed than we are, like Mexico, China, that are starting to get, you know, like the manufacturing technology. Mm-hmm. And they can pay these people less. So taking you know manufacturing jobs, places like that, and leaving nothing for Americans. Well, we've got tech in this country that they don't have in other places. We need the tech jobs here, but the local politicians don't want to do it. It's insane. I think that. Well, actually, Japan, China—they're all tech. China's a huge country. There's, it's just like anywhere else. Yeah. You have big cities, little towns. Yeah. still. But Japan is way ahead of us. China is way ahead of us because they, they manufacture all of our stuff. Where do you think that phone comes from? Where do you think this phone That's comes from? That's what I'm talking from? about. Is that laptop. Manufacturing, yeah. Manufacturing overseas. But the tech jobs need to be here for the American companies is what I'm saying. You create tourist destinations where there aren't tourist destinations. Yeah. You know, and I would love a water park around here. You know, cities that have successful sports teams are doing better financially as well. I'd say what the Scrappers do great. I love going to Scrappers games. Yeah, love that play. You know, but they're they're not on the level of MLB or NFL. No, they're minor yeah, league. They're minor. You know. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you're you know, cities like Pittsburgh. Don't the fans well. hockey? Don't they? Well, that's. You gotta be a huge town to get a franchise like that. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, economically, Pittsburgh's doing better than Cleveland. Because yeah. Pittsburgh has more successful sports. You know, because if you have a, a successful sports team, you're gonna catch bandwagon fans all over the country the that are area, come into town to see games. The area around Pittsburgh is awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, we went, uh, what was it, around springtime, I think? Spring or late summer it was to go get a car and there's a couple places we drove around the outside of Pittsburgh not even in the actual city but the, and it's just like it looks the great and shit. yeah, like, yeah. Like, it looks all new built yeah. up they're constantly building and doing new oh, things oh the highways are beautiful there. oh yeah Bridges Cleveland is yeah. the same shit that you see since when you go to the Browns games at the original stadium yeah. you know that same street still under construction yeah you're on 480 and you see all the smoke billowing out of the uh, factories yeah. Ooh, nice fucking view. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You can see like the four, the three or four big buildings off in yeah. the distance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In Pittsburgh, you can drive on just the highway and go around Pittsburgh and not even go in and still appreciate how it looks. Like that PPG Absolutely. building, holy cow, that's, yeah. great. that's a beautiful building. Yeah. And then once you get back, so you get towards Squirrel Hill and all that, yeah. even that area is beautiful. Then you get close to, um, what is that amusement park there? Um, Kennywood. Kennywood. Yeah. You go to Kennywood and you're up on a roller coaster. You look around and you see a hell of a view. You don't see a lake and some trees and shit like you yeah. do it. 
you know, in Sandusky. Yeah. Yep. I, as much as I hate Pittsburgh sports, the areas. I mean, I went to college there. You know, I went to college in uh, Oakdale, I believe the town was called, in Moon Township by the airport. Even that place, an airport town, is like much better than here. Yeah. I like Pittsburgh. It's a nice city, but then, you know, when when I was in Orlando, they're building skyscrapers. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, you don't see that around here. Uh-uh. You know, you see that when you go to these big cities that are, you know, booming economically. You know. Not not in Youngstown, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Columbus, no. I mean, Youngstown does have a few nice buildings. That, that hotel building down yeah. in the square there, that's a cool building. Yeah. The building that uh, that the bank is in, that Huntington's in, that's yeah. a nice building. That's a nice building. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're going to come back with Martin Dunn from uh, Lesson Expected. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned. We got Martin here from Lesson Expected. What's going on today, man? Tell me, man. Just drove like an hour to get down here. What was it? An easy drive? Just a straight shot? Oh uh, yeah. Well, I had to go come from um, Ashtabula by way of Geneva because I had to go drop my daughter off. But yeah. You took the scenic route. Took the yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a champion on that. Yeah. Full on. Uh, For a little while there, we were convinced we were pulling into like a cannibal's house, you know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we're definitely out here now. <laughs> so, uh, how long have you guys been together as a band? Um, so, 
It's a little bit of a tricky question. So, Komodo, so we, all right, rewind. The, uh, <laughs> the band officially started, it was just me, and the less than expected thing was this thing I did in high school, and the joke that I started doing was, uh, Martin Dunn is less than expected, and I was just going around doing these acoustic gigs, you know, like acoustic punk or whatever, and, um, a long story short on that one, to just skip any kind of drama with that, some guys hit me up and they were like, you know, some you know, friends and they were another band, uh, and the band had, had broken up. And they'd asked, oh, you know, hey, you got that solo deal you were doing. So I was in the band Komodo Bombs with my wife and um, my friend uh, Dustin, who plays bass for me now, I wasn't okay. expected. And uh, his wife was drummer, and so Komodo Bombs was on hiatus, and so we were like, I was just doing this to get, you know, scratch the itch. And those guys all came out and we did a handful of rehearsals and booked a bunch of shows and we're getting stuff moving. And then uh, they bailed on me at the last minute, like no notice or anything. They just bailed and went back to the band that they had broken up with. Oh, shit. And so it kind of left me out in the, the cold. So my, uh, my buddy Dustin, or Dirt, as he goes by in the band, sorry, uh, he... Him and um, and his wife came in and they saved me and actually we played the first band full band gig here in Youngstown at uh, I forget the name of the place to be honest. <laughs> Westside Bowl. No, Westside Bowl's awesome by the way. We're yeah, yeah. This year, but like no, uh, I fucking forget what the name of it is. Uh, Cedars. No. Susie's Chippers. We played Chippers, but it wasn't Chippers. It was something else. I don't know. Okay. I'm sure. I'm just trying to name off all the venues in town. You could Google it. Giving them all plugs. (laughs) Yeah, we played that place uh, with uh, uh, Stereotype Eye and Three Vultures. Oh, okay. Those are my boys. um, Yeah, so we played with those guys. And then after that, Dustin decided to stick around. And we started working on translating, like, all of the songs over to, uh, like, a full band setting. And then we had a few different friends come in and play drums for us over that time, like fill in. Um, one being uh, Tommy Lipo from the band um, Mallory Run okay. out of uh, Erie. And then um, Kenny Sutton, who plays in the band Slaughter the Meridian, also out of Erie. Yeah. And then um, Justin Thompson joined the band in June, I think. And he drummed with us all the way up until December. And then, um, you know, life got in the way and he had to drop out. So then our buddy Chris jumped in and helped us finish up the record. And he's listed as a drummer on the record. Um, and uh, we are currently not having a drummer because his he had to go back to school. So he's in, he was in college. So if you know any drummers, we're looking for a drummer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so basically the band's been together, I guess, for like a year now. But it, I've been doing a solo thing with it for a couple of years just for fun. Yeah. But before that, you know, with Komodo Bombs, me and Dustin, we started that band back in 2017. Okay. So it was a few years. You're originally from Florida, the Tampa area? Yeah. Correct? Okay. Um, how long have you been in Ohio? So I moved up here in January of 2018. Okay. Um, what brought you to Ohio? Uh, I inherited my grandpa's house. Okay. So it's basically. So your family's originally from Ohio. Uh, my dad's side of the family are okay. all from like Ashabula, Conneaut area. Yeah. And so um, I inherited his house. Florida's fucking expensive. Oh. So yeah. it was one of those things that <laughs> I worked from home anyway. So it was like I'll just you know move up to 
up there and moved the wife and the kids up here and we started, you know, moved up here and then funny enough, uh, you know, my buddy Dustin, his wife moved up to Akron a couple months later, so our band never really had to take a break. Okay. And so so he's moms. originally from down there too. Yeah, okay. and then um, Adam, our manager, is also from there. We grew up together and um, he just was driving through and I was like, if you want to stay, stay. And he's like, I kind of like it up here. Yeah, I'll stay. So uh, now he's managing us. So yeah, I mean, it's... Was it a big culture shock? making that change or had you been here before it's a culture well i've been here a million times in the summers and stuff it's a culture shock in a different way i think than people most might expect um people are a lot more pleasant up here really they are y'all i guess i mean i guess y'all coming I from a bigger like, city in florida y'all's drama up here like the band like the like this music scene drama yeah is more comical Oh God! Yes, it's funny as hell. Yeah. To me, I laugh yeah. so hard at some of these Facebook rants and stuff, yeah. and I'm like, "You guys are hilarious! Like, <laughs> yeah, this is fucking hilarious. Yeah. This isn't like some of the drama at the end of the Florida scene's got some weird dramas." But yeah, it's just I guess maybe it's that too. It's a smaller area, there's not as much um, stuff. But you guys, just the culture is very different here in totally different ways. People in Florida are rude. It's just like naturally, it feels like they're rude. especially in the bigger cities where, like, where you're from. Like, I, I lived in Orlando, and yeah, I, I feel like it's just people are very are like are more rude, and I've also ran into the problem like issues. Like, I guess it's one of those things of like so. Where I was living before I moved out of Florida was right outside Tampa, a place called Brooksville. Yeah, and Brooksville is like the sixth most racist place in America, apparently. Yeah. So. Um, nothing like living like low, no, like a block away from like a KKK charter. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> so um, yeah, getting my kids out of that environment was a good idea. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's a different experience. I think I like the scene up here a lot more overall. I think that the scene is a lot more supportive. I mean, there is you know everyone has like some black sheep. There's a few. Yeah, but I've noticed that the. Uh, I find that like the scene up here has been a lot more supportive. I mean, give and take a little. Even when when you have the drama, there still is a lot of camaraderie in the scenes around here. Yeah, I mean, you've got Youngstown, Akron, Cleveland, all in close proximity. Even Pittsburgh's not that far. Yeah, and Erie. I think Erie gets left out way too much. They got a great scene. Oh, Erie does. Yeah, and I think that I even forget about Erie a lot. I, I think that the reality of it is. Everyone who creates art are going to have egos. Oh, so you're going to deal with divas. You're going to deal with people who are, are too uh, caught up in their own bullshit to realize how ridiculous they sound sometimes. Um, but then at the same time, you deal with the fact that like you're going to have out of the, that crew of people, you're always going to have some that are really cool. And we've had some good luck with that, I think. I mean, there's only been a few people that we've encountered that we've been like, eh. Yeah. You know, um, but for the most part, I would say realistically, compared to like what we saw in Florida, is is way more uh, less clicky. Yeah. Because like Florida is like if if you're in a punk band, then everyone just oh we don't you can only play with punk bands you can't yeah. play which is kind of boring. I mean you yeah know, I hate the that. same old thing but yeah. uh, you know with us we're definitely like we've. I'm really proud of this of this band and this music we're making right now because I've noticed that we are very crossover. Like, we're getting a lot of love from multiple angles when it comes to, like, you know, genre-based music, which, you know, for us, we've always just been like, we're a rock band or a hard rock band, and 
Um, but like the punk kids love us, the metalheads seem to love us, you know, a lot of the, you know, alt rock kids seem to like us a lot. So yeah. we've kind of blended in very well and like we've built a pretty decent um, following, I think. Like, I mean, you've done your research, I guess. So yeah. you tell me, I, I guess we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of genres. I like music that transcends genres. You know, every band that I played in back in the day, we tried to cover as much as we could. You know, and I, I like that about you guys. Like, I, you know, you say you're punk, but I really couldn't label your music. I mean, it's got a bit of a punk vibe. But, you know, if I was promoting a show, I, I could put you guys on with some grunge bands. I could put you guys on with punk, metal, whatever, you know. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like, we really don't call It's funny. We started, we adopted the thing. Um, a guy from around here, uh, his name's Jared. Is another podcast. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah, Jared uh, Rogers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, we, we played a show at Chippers and um, it started this thing. It was unintentional how this started, but now it's become a thing. Um, it was, the show was a shit show. It, it was falling apart all around us. And somehow when things started moving, it, it, went, it all then clicked together. It was just a lot of issues. Like the sound guy was late and then he showed up drunk and then he didn't want to, and it was like all this other stuff. And then like one of the bands dropped out and then there was a touring band and it was just, it was a lot of nonsense. And at some point, and there's a video of this, I get super fucking annoyed and at the sound guy for fucking with my microphone again. And I take my guitar off and I throw it. Like just fucking throw <laughs> it. See, that's fucking punk as hell. And, then, and the crowd went fucking nuts for it. And so then after that, our bassist at one point, we were playing at Vortex in Akron, and um, Dirt was like... Is that a Mike Wendell show? Uh, I don't know who. Um, I think it was Jesse Callum. Okay. I think he put that one on. Dude from Stereotype Eye. Yeah. yeah. And so we, uh, at, at the end of our set, um, I smashed a guitar, and he took his bass off and threw it in the crowd. Nice. And they destroyed the bass. And so <laughs> then we started getting this expectation that we're always smashing our gear, and we've kind of done that. Most of our shows, we end up smashing gear all up, which, by the way, Jesse uh, from Stereotype High fucking hates it. He won't watch our end of our sets anymore because he knows it's coming. Yeah. And so what we did, um, we just played Basement Transmissions in December, and what we did was at the end of the crowd, at the end of the show, as we're building up to the finale, the crowd is like, we always play Superfuzz Big Muff as our closer, and at the end of it, that's when we start smashing shit. And um, the inside joke in the band is uh, the solo of that song is... Uh, and into the ending of the song is basically uh, Schrodinger's song. Okay. You don't know if it's going to be an ending or not. Yeah. It's just, we might end the song, we might destroy our gear, and you don't know, need the end of the song. <laughs> and so the funny part was all the crowd is like, they know it's coming, and they're like super excited, and we knew it was coming because like six people asked me that night. So we all got with uh, Chris, the guy who was driving for us, and we're like, I got an idea. When we go to smash stuff, Chris is going to jump up and go, guys, you're ruining Christmas. And we're going to set our guitars down really, really nicely. And we're going to sing Silent Night. And we get that instead. And Chris goes after the fact, like the crowd's booing him and like everything. And he's like, I've now know what it feels like to blue ball an entire audience of people. Yeah. Like a whole room of people have now been blue balled. But yeah, like well, we played Grog Shop in um, uh, November and... A couple of the bands there were shocked because, like, I, I took a... It, whatever guitar I'm using in the set usually gets thrown or smashed or something. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of guitars, and people are like, 
it's so expensive, it drives me crazy, but I also know how to fix guitars. Yeah. So that's kind of like our little secret that I just like, well, I mean, I could fix it. I mean, sometimes. Yeah. Some guitars, uh, West Side Bowl, the guitar I smashed there, um, that guitar is never getting fixed. <laughs> that thing exploded into a thousand pieces. A few years ago, when I was, I was the promoter at uh, Chippers for a while, I had this cool idea to get four original bands together and each one would cover a different grunge band for the night. Right. And I had three vultures doing Nirvana, had them closing out the night. And Dustin brought this old junk guitar that he had at home, and we were doing sound check before their set, and the guitar wasn't working. His plan was to smash it at the end of the set, you know, his guitar wasn't working. So he ended up having to borrow a guitar from one of the guys in Highland Rose, and he was just going to put that guitar down off to the side towards the end of the song and then grab the junk one and, and smash it. So he does that. He goes and picks up the junk guitar, you know, pulls it back to go and smash it. And the whole crowd, the place was packed, the whole crowd just steps back. And the guitar just goes flying all over the bar, man. Yeah, yeah. we, uh, the, the one at Westside Bowl, there's a good video of it online. I, uh, I actually did not expect it to break as bad like as exploded yeah i hit three i think i had that three swings on it overhead and that third one the whole body just everywhere um the one dustin had it was already falling apart the neck was like coming off it so it just oh yeah this was an actual strat i actually made it look like his like the kurt cobain band was a strat for that show it was a Halloween show. They had us do a Nirvana set. Yeah. So we were like, okay, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. And so we threw all our shit all over the place. Our drummer, Justin, was our drummer at the time. He flips his drum kit all over and like kicks it off the stage. But um, yeah. So the the grog shop though, like I literally took this Telecaster that everyone the night, like all night, other musicians like, oh, Tele's fucking badass. But, and dude, I took the Telecaster off, and um, our buddy Sean from SMD Photography, he got the best photo ever. It's me throwing the guitar. That dude's a like killer this. photographer. And the, the, if you see the photo, um, you can, I know he's got it out there. I told him, like, dude, you can make a print of that and sell it. I don't oh, care. yeah. It's literally perfect. It looks like I'm throwing the guitar at him. Yeah. And he's got, like, perfect. guitar is, like, leaving my hand. It's got one hand, and it's, like, flying towards him. Nice. And it's just, like, this perfect angle. And I was like, that is awesome. But I remember after that, I was like, you threw that guitar. And the funny part was... I was more angry that I broke my cable. It's not like rattlesnake, ca- rattlesnake cable. And yeah. I was like, what the? And everyone was like, you're more angry about the cable than the guitar. And I'm like, the guitar? That cable's expensive. Like, yeah. <laughs> look at Fender. I'm like, ah, whatever. But it's I think I, do, I must have like 30 guitars probably. Damn. Yeah. So, a lot of guitars. Yeah. What do you do? Just, just like pick up junk guitars and fix them up? No, I just have a lot of nice guitars that I didn't break. So the guitar that, I broke. So that cartoonist money you're making. The guitar, I guess. I, the guitar <laughs> that I that I threw at, at Chippers was a '65 Mustang. Yeah. Oh shit. So to me, it's sort of like in the moment. I don't do it on purpose. Yeah. People, that's the one thing I put out there right now. Is everyone like we don't actually plan to smash anything. I just it it's you get into it. Oh and yeah. It happens. So the punk rock Holy Ghost takes a whole. I yeah. guess. <laughs> man, like it, I, I guess that's what it is. But it's just it's. I think part of it is. Uh, for me and Dirt, we're both performers at heart. We both did pro wrestling for many years. Okay. And so you kind of have that element of like a performance and larger than life performance and you want to like put it all out there. And so when the music's going and everything's booming and you're just really into it, the crowd's going crazy and fucking mosh pit, you want to do something. Yeah. And I guess sometimes the first thing you think to do is to throw something or kick something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've had, there, I, we've gone through a lot of instruments like guitars and basses now um, 
he snapped the neck off his base at the West Side Bowl show. Uh, <laughs> completely snapped the headstock right off. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I guess that's like a big thing. People always ask about the smashing. But yeah, for that one, we were very conscious about it, the basement transmissions not to smash. We're like, we're not going to do it this time. Yeah. Because everyone's expecting it, and you know, we're less than expected. So. Well, I noticed you brought a guitar with you today. You're not planning on smashing it, are you? No, okay. not that one. That I'm about to say, I'm going to move. You're going to stand outside while you perform. That one is a, uh, that's a, a, a vintage Martin guitar. I wouldn't smash that. That would be okay. That would be sacrilege, man. <laughs> that, well, why don't you play something for us real quick? Well, what, what's the song you're going to be playing? Is it on the CD? I could do one on the CD. Hey, whatever you want to play, as long as it's not a cover. Let me think. I don't, I don't want to give ASCAP any more money than I need to. Huh. I didn't think about what I should play. <laughs> uh, let me see the CD. Let me see. I'll, I'll look and see what we got. Um, I'll do short term. That was our first single. Alright, let's do that. See how it sounds without the bass.
shit that they call punk now. I mean... I mean, it's a real punk, but on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of, of some of that watered-down commercial punk? Like, five seconds of summer and shit like punk that. Rock, dude. They're calling it punk. That's that's like, what the fuck? I don't give a fuck what they call it. That's not <laughs> punk. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what uh, I've been saying, man. Commercialized. I mean, everything's commercialized. It's though. it's it's just straight up pop music, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like One Direction with guitars. I don't. I mean, I've always been kind of weird about this, and in that, punk is a mentality, and I guess it can be punk if that's how they want to look at it. I just, if you're looking at this, the genre of music and the sound and things like that, as a defy like like a definition, you know, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of stuff is. What's the word? It's manufactured stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's no hard in it. Like, to me, punk is a, is, a, is a mentality of, like, freedom and expression and ideas. And that's why it's sort of... Oh, I've always had a con- conflict about that. Um, it's very funny you say that because I could probably do another song for you. Literally <laughs> called Is This Punk um, that we that were put on our next record, was, which is funny because we just released that one in December, but we're already working on our next record. Um, that's another great thing about punk, too. Like... You know, a lot of bands, they, they wait such a long time in between albums. They want it to be polished and perfect. Punk, like, they're constantly writing new shit, and they're just putting out whatever. Yeah, I mean... Like, I think they, they put out records more often, you know? I think we're a little bit more... Like, in the, in the mentality of Punk, like, that record took forever for us to make it feel like. Like, we started working on it last year around this time... Um, it was just me, and then we, like I said, we transferred everything over into a full band setting around March. But um, we missed like two different release dates we had planned on because we wanted it to be right. I wanted to be, you know, we wanted because the Komodo Bombs we put an EP out with Komodo Bombs, and I never was one hundred percent happy with it. Yeah. Um, the guy who did the producing was a nice guy, he was a cool guy, but he made it sound really polished and really clean and really, and it wasn't really the sound I wanted to go for, and so that record sounded like a pop punk kind of thing and yeah. it really wasn't what we were going for with this one we had a general idea of what we wanted we went in with them like with a uh, I had a lot of notes um, of what I wanted a lot of sound I wanted you know and, and I think that um, Mike Gunter who came in and helped us with the mix and everything um, he he definitely captured that because what we were looking for with this record was uh, you know Albini really Steve Albini's kind of work that he had done with like a Utero with Nirvana yeah. uh, things like that um, some of the Jack and Dino stuff with like some of the more punk bands and stuff Melvin's and um, some of that kind of thing too and that's kind of where the sludge punk thing came from that we've kind of embraced is that we're sludge punk and, and that all came from just us being a little bit more grungy with our punk if you will Yeah. Um, you know uh, I guess we're also a little more conscious a lot of punk songs are, are kind of Goofy, I guess. You know, uh, I mean, depending on what you were listening to, but we we put a lot more like I put a lot more emphasis on the lyrics. I think 
I mean, our, musically, like, I, I'll give Dirt all the credit in the fact that I write, you know, lyrics and, and melodies and ideas, and then he takes stuff and then he just turns it into these, like, insane things. Like, a title track is nothing like what I originally presented, which was, it's cool. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things of like, with us, I think that that's where the compliment comes from. And I think that it's just such a vast variety of music, like an interest, like, or like, a, you know, um, what was the word, inspiration, that uh, with the two of us, when we write together, that it kind of comes out in these really cool ways. Um, and obviously it's working, I mean, we stand out. That's the thing I think I like about our music the most, is we stand out. We don't sound like everybody else. Yeah. Um, that's always good, though. You don't want to sound like everyone else. Well, and I think that that's something that this scene misses. I think that's the point a lot of people miss in this area. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like you know now you have a, a lot more genres out there, but it seems like this these young kids want to be labeled. Uh, they want to be in. They want to fit into some sort. I think they of care genre, too much about know? shit like that. But I also think that's not just young kids. I see it with a lot of people. I feel like this scene. I think the biggest thing this scene suffers from is, is uh, an oversaturation of metalcore. Oh God, yeah. Um, I feel like every band around here is trying to be a metalcore band or yeah. something, and it's always the same stuff. And and I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not shit on anyone's art, but it's just like. It doesn't feel, none of it feels natural to me. Like, it all feels forced. And then yeah. the other factor is, is if I play, we play a show with some bands, um, and you'll be like, if I can't distinguish who's on stage by ear, there's a problem. And I, yeah. I've had that where I've been, like, talking to somebody, and I'm like, damn, like, this band has been on forever, and they're like, oh, it's a new band. I'm like, really? Like, Doesn't sound like it. Sounds <laughs> just like the last band. Yeah. And so I think that's something that's distinguished us quite a bit. We played a show at the Grog Shop in Cleveland in, um, in November, and the lineup on that show was spectacular. And what was cool was every band sounded different. Every, you know, uh, it, was, it was so neat, like just such a cool experience. And um, uh, Jay from GTS that put that show on, He's really good at that, like putting together these like shows you would not expect to mesh well with the crowd. And there was like 250 people there, and the crowd loved it. And like every band was vastly different from the last. It was it was cool, you know. You That's how I try to book my shows. And, yeah, you had like a blues rock band, and you had like this band that was like almost like a, a spin on like a modern day like the Talking Heads or something. And they're called Elephant and they're really good. And then there was Fiddle Revolt, which is like this punk rock band, but like they're like. You know, like, almost like country punk yeah. or whatever, with like fiddles and stuff like that. And then you had like Drawn of Flies, which is like more of like this like noisy um, alt rock kind of like mid '90s, almost post grunge kind okay. of feel. Um, you know, uh, Full Flavor was the. Like I said, I remember all the bands. They were, they were everyone was so fucking good. And so like, that's always the stuff I look for. I mean, in my opinion, some of the best bands around here are bands that are standing out. The Avondales from um, Ashtabula. Oh, I love those guys. Those guys are probably yeah. the best live band in this area, bar none. I, I, I can't even tell you, like, every show I've ever fucking played with those guys or been to of those guys, the the audience is alive, like, 100% alive. Um, Drawn of Flies, another band, is fucking fantastic. Um, the Trades. Drunk Buseys, you know, um, it sucks because they broke up, but the Southside Fire Boys, we played the last show that they did. I like this guy. I booked them for a show uh, before I left for Florida. Yeah, those guys yeah. are great too. And um, yeah, Joe booked us on a show down there, their last show, the Matinee in Akron, uh, back in October. And um, 
on my birthday actually yeah and uh we had a fucking blast those guys it was sad like, you know they're done but that was yeah. that was a great show so yeah I mean, there's a lot of fucking great bands around here and then I hear a lot of bands that sound exactly the same. Yeah. And that's why, like, um, us and Three Vultures, we want to do a show together. We think we'll complement each other pretty well. Yeah. But. Yeah, they're a good band. Good dudes, too. So what do you do when you're playing a show and you get these bands that just sound, like, totally off? You don't, do, you, do you give them advice? Or is that something, like, as artists, you guys just don't do? You just kind of let them go? Like, how does that work? I think that... I think we just kind of keep it ourselves. You do? I mean, you kind of have to unless they ask. I would... If they ask for, like, an honest opinion, then you say, well, yeah, you know, I usually tell advice. people they want honest opinions, are they sure? Because I'm really... Yeah. I'm, I have no filter, and I will brutally rip somebody. I have to be careful. Yeah, I'm the same way. Years I used to be a comics, music journalist, so well, they would ask my opinion. Years in comics has conditioned me um, to be careful what I say. So I try to watch what I say now. Yeah. Even now, I'm trying to be like, I'm going to walk on eggshells around certain topics because I, I do feel like there are, uh, you know, criticisms are always going to be prevalent. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, people don't want, I guess, unsolicited critiques anymore. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah, that's why I said, like, if they ask and they want you to be honest, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the guys that I came up with musically or still playing around here and they'll ask for my honest opinion on shit and I, I give it to them. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like, uh, I feel like music is, it's such a personal piece of art that people forget that it is. That. Yeah. And I, I mean that in the sense of people making it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, somebody puts their heart and soul into something. They don't want some random person that they don't really know coming up and saying, oh, dude, that was terrible. But at the same time, I feel like some people... I feel like there's a lot of posers. There's so many. Yeah. Um, and I mean that Every scene's of, got that. But, no, but yeah. I mean... And I say posers, I don't mean like, oh, he's a fake person. I mean in the sense like, these people are making music for the wrong fucking yeah. reasons. Like, I don't... I That record is the most personal piece of art I've ever put together in my life. I mean, if you open the inside sleeve of that CD, the first thing you're going to see is a uh, the suicide hotline. You know, um, the, there's I poured my brain into it basically, and um, the uh, you know the whole concept of it, like um, this machine kills scenes, it, it's got multiple means you could use. But I, I was telling someone recently, and they were like blown away by it. I'm like, dude, I never thought about that. That's so smart. It makes sense. And it was the machine was the brain and the scene was the body. Yeah. Talking about, you know, suicide, drug, you know, drugs. And, and I, I touch on a lot of that stuff because I've dealt with that my whole life. I suffer from bipolar, ADHD, a ton of anxiety, you know, I'm, I'm a mess. I just, uh, and I, I put all of that into the music for this do, record. Do you think that there's any sort of cure for depression? I mean, I guess in like short terms, yeah, but not like, I mean, it's kind of a disease well, you're stuck with. I mean, do you think that, that someone could, you know, deal with depression but figure out a way to, to get out of it? Or do you think it's something that you always carry around? That's definitely something you carry around. I mean, for me, like, depression, because I'm bipolar, <laughs> depression is a wave thing for me. Um, yeah, you, it comes and goes. It, it, I've had situations where it's come and I've been depressed for seven months straight and it's so it's crippling depression and people don't understand that you get it 
you kind of get used to it. Everyone becomes adaptable to something. Yeah. And so you just kind of walk around and you put a fake smile on, you pretend everything's okay. Um, and that's, you know, I've got a song called Deadly Combination. It's literally all about that's on the record. And, you know, and it, you know, keep the facade going. It's better if they're not known. You just can't afford to get fucking fired. Like, it's it's one of those situations where, for me, um, mental illness is, it's nice that it's something that's not so, you know, we just not going to talk about it. Yeah. People are just, like, people are so much more open about it nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And, um... Do you think that saves lives, though, being more open about it? I think it does. I think yeah. it's a lot. I think that if uh, if people were more open about it, you know, there wouldn't be as many people who have, who have fallen victim to that, you know, disease, if you will. Like, I, I mean, to me, like, I feel like uh, you can't you can't let it can like become you. Yeah. Um, some people let things. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, Define. Yeah, the, the, like yeah, define, you try to like define you. You don't want yeah. you don't want to be known as the depressed person or the guy who yeah. flips out over something stupid. Yeah, well, I mean, or I the guy who tried to kill himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I knew a guy. Um, you know where I'm going with this, Adam. I knew a guy in comics that had an aneurysm, and it was all he talked about. It was everything. It was all over. Everything. He put on his business cards, aneurysm survivor, and it, it was the most pretentious thing because while I get it it's a big thing and he walked away from that that's cool and whatever and he picked his life back up and if he had done something more with it in the sense of like hey you know I'm, I'm this that or the other and it doesn't but he let it define who he was and I know plenty of people I know guys that are addicts and guys that are you know I used to I grew up with that their whole definition of life is where they're going to get next, their next hit their next pill their next yeah. whatever and it's people that define them. You can't allow those things to define you. Um, to me, I've always been one of those people that are a get up and go, do it. My uh, my whole life, if you will, in 2009, a you know, real brief kind of thing is, in 2009, my, I, I had nothing going for me at all. I wasn't in, I had no job, and I hadn't broken into comics or anything like that. I was married to a horrible person who uh, basically I had four kids with, and we were, I basically, it was just a lot of drama all the time, things like that, and um, we broke up, and I remember a friend of mine or somebody had told me about uh, Kevin Smith's um, stand-up special or whatever, and I watched it, and he had this thing in there where he talked about, uh, his dad dying, and he was saying that you never know when you're gonna go, so get out and fucking do it. You know why not? And the whole thing was, it takes nothing to inspire an artist, to encourage an artist. So find people around and surround yourself with why not people. Because if you throw a rock, you're gonna hit somebody who's gonna say why. Why do you want to make a movie? Why do you want to make a comic book? Why do you want to do a podcast? Why do you want to be in a band? Why? That's it's not normal. Why would you want to do that? That's yeah. dumb. Like you. Just go and get a job and work and be normal. And um, it really clicked for me at that point. And, uh, you know, um, that saying has become sort of my catchphrase. And I do it with my kids. My, I encourage all my, my daughter, my youngest daughter is a award-winning writer. She wrote, she's been on like a hundred different 
radio, TV show, a podcast thing. She got, you know, sold thousands of copies of her book on Amazon and got an Amazon award, a Comicsology award, and all this other stuff. And wow. her book was carried in the uh, American Humane Society. And she was seven. Shit. She ran a Kickstarter, got like five thousand dollars for it. Just, yeah. And wow. so that's my and that's my youngest daughter. Um, my daughter Brooklyn uh, has a band of her own. They're actually going to be. Um, playing their first show opening for us on the 25th at B-Side in Ashtabula. We're doing an Unplugged concert and her band's going to play. And then my youngest daughter also is going to be playing a song or two that she wrote under her little uh, stage name, Ghost Boy is what she calls it. And she's like ukulele and stuff. But um, And then also A.M. Gunter is going to be there performing. But um, I've always encouraged people. I've always felt like that was something that you know, people should hear that because I didn't hear that growing up. I, I never got the uh, reassurance that anyone could do anything. Neither did I. You know, like when growing up, you know, I'd tell my parents, I want to do music. Why, why the fuck would you want to do that? Right, right? You're never going to get anywhere. So I decided to go out and get somewhere, you know, and then it was like, I'm going to start in this movie. Well, no, you're, you're not going to do that. And then I went out and did it. I'm going to write a book. Okay. You're not going to do it. So with, with my own kids, I try to be encouraging as well. Like whatever you want to do, you know, put your mind to it and do it. It's uh, it's the most frustrating thing for me because I have a sixteen year old son, and everyone. The joke of it is because uh, you know, I grew up a punk rocker, and so how do you rebel against a dad that was a punk rocker? And so the the joke is always like, oh, he must do like, you know, listen to everything that everyone says at school, and he must listen to like pop <laughs> music and wear suits and is straight up a you know a yuppie about it or whatever. And, and instead, he found, like, another, uh, he found an even more show family ties. Yeah, he found an even more <laughs> punk rock way of, of rebelling by he doesn't do anything at all, and that fucking drives me insane because I'm a very like. How do you be more punk than punk? No, like it's slacker. Like literally, like it's even beyond that because for me, like I am, I'm just such a like uh, ambitious person, and. All my daughters are super ambitious, but my my oldest firstborn child <laughs> and my only kid, only boy, has no fucking interest outside of like food and like you know girls and video games. That's like that's it. And then I'm like the music he listens to it hurts me to my soul <laughs> because it's like in uh, Machine Gun Kelly and stuff, and I'm like, oh. dude, what the. Like, how do you grow up in this house and you like, and like, I mean, he likes some hip hop that I like, but for the most part, he really I can't say anything because I do like Machine Gun Kelly. I am and I've not worked a fan. with him. So, not yeah. a fan of his music. I like him as an actor. He's a good actor. He's a good dude, though, too. But regardless, he's out there doing it. And that's, yeah. why, that's why I said, like, that's why it's hard for me to criticize people when it comes to that. Yeah. If they're out there doing it. My problem are usually people who complain that they're not making money doing it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, oh, I hate that. If you didn't worry so much about what you were writing to make money instead of like I'll put it this way we play with a band I won't say any names but if you did the homework you figure out who it was we played with this band and everything about them annoyed me to the level of we showed up and we were very much part of that punk mentality of a scene where yeah. you stay in the front you support every band on stage you, you give them love they hid in the green room the whole time um, they they didn't support any of the bands. Um, they left right after their set. Uh, but during their set, they were so bland. And they, they sounded great, though. They're great musicians, but not 
they didn't have what they think they have. They sounded like a watered down Three Days Grace or something, which is saying something because that's Three Days Grace we're talking about, which is already pretty damn watered down. So I think I know the band you're talking. About. I'm not gonna say names. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> these guys are playing, and my daughter is sitting on like this chair, and I look over. My daughter is a mosh pit thing. She goes punk shows. She's, you know, she's 14. She like. It's all this thing, and I'm friends with all these really big bands, so we always get backstage and stuff. So she's always like in there, and yeah. so I look over and she's asleep, <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "They're still playing." And I'm like, "Yeah." And she goes, "It's like the longest song ever." I'm like, "That's a different song." And she goes, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and so like they just, and I, I like I said, I mean, if they're if they're doing their thing and it's whatever, that's fine. But these, I find that that's something that people like they lack that in a lot of music these days. I don't hear any emotion, and that's something that really affects me. And like on a, on a on a personal level, where like I I get I don't know, I feel surreal. Like you know, uh, going back to playing the rock shop, a lot of the bands that put there that when we got off the stage, people were like. Fuck, like that was so raw and real and and, and it, it, it hits me really hard because I it's so me. I'm painting my, I'm putting myself on display for everybody. Yeah. And to know that my I know I'm not the best singer in the world, but I know that I'm still like you can feel what I'm saying. Like it, it's the, the emotions there. But some of our favorite singers growing up weren't very good singers. They were just able to convey that emotion well enough that it connects with you. And yeah. Like, Fuck it, I don't care if they're not the best you know, vocalist. They still have it. They're still able to do yeah, it. Yeah, Kurt Cobain was a terrible vocalist. Yeah, I mean, but he's still a generational icon. Well, I mean, and it's the thing is, like, if you listen, to Lane Staley's the same way. Lane yeah. Staley really, like, everyone thinks because he hung out notes and did stuff like that. But really, those guys, Kurt Cobain and Staley, are great examples of people who put themselves into the, the lyrics. Yeah, and it actually makes me cringe when people talk about Lane Staley being a great vocalist. Like, yeah, but he my, was a, he was a great at conveying emotion, but he wasn't a good singer. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like I find that with a lot of bands, and people don't get that. I yeah. mean, if you start breaking out what makes a good singer, then you're getting into like the category of like Frank Sinatra was a good singer, Elvis, you know, Freddie um, Mercury. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, people like that. You know, Chris Cornell was a good singer. Yeah, but you know, it, it's it's more about what you're hearing in the music, and it's why yeah. I think bands. Don't get it. They're too concerned with, I need this on the radio. Yep. Funny fucking thing, man. Um, the last song that I put on that record is Faux CD. Me and Dustin wrote that song as a filler because we were like, hey, I mean, not a filler song necessarily. I had lyrics. It was a good idea, but I just, we didn't put it on the record originally. And so we sat down and wrote out everything and recorded it over a weekend so that we could have it because we had dropped another song off the record we just felt was, we needed something a little more up-tempo. Yeah. And now it's getting radio play. And it just makes me laugh because it wasn't the song that we put out for a single or anything. Short Term was the song we put out for a single. But Faux CD is the song that's getting radio play all over the place now, um, which is funny to us. Like, we're just like, wow. Yeah. You know, and then um, the record on on uh, streaming service has been growing the rib. It's like over 10,000 plays on Spotify and, you know, not too far behind on like Apple and all the other places. So we're seeing a lot of growth and I feel like a lot of it comes back to a couple things and one of them I really do feel like it is is that we're very genuine and we don't wear egos we just don't do that we, yeah. we, don't, we don't put it out there um, me talking to you is probably 
the most anyone in the scene will have ever heard my opinions on the scene because <laughs> usually I'm just very encouraging and like, yeah, yeah. you know, good. And even if they, my thing is, I told my daughter this last night. My daughter um, has been nervous about the show and, I, and she says she doesn't want to disappoint me. And I go, you know, the only thing you gotta do is go and try. I don't give like, I'm not gonna be disappointed at all. Yeah. You go up there and you can bomb and it can sound horrible and you could, you know, whatever. But as long as you stick through your set, make it to the end, and walk off there with your head up. I'm like, I don't care how bad it may have sounded. I'm like, it's your first show, you're 14. Yeah. You know, like to me, it's all about just trying, just doing it. Um, it's funny, you want me to do another song? Because I have a song about the, the why not thing. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. It's called View Askew, actually. I was just thinking about it. I could do it. Let's see if I can. All right, so. I haven't played it on acoustic in a while. Huh? in your vocals it's a really weird thing to say because I'm friends with Mike yeah yeah so um, I, it's, it's, it'd be a lie not to say no effects as an influence I'd say my biggest influences in music um, overall are probably you know Nirvana no effects dinosaur jr. Um, 
Well, it's Dinosaur Jr. I feel like they don't get enough credit. Oh, they should get way more credit yeah. than they do. Um, I mean, there's a bunch. Like, Fu Manchu's a big influence. But, yeah, I mean, uh, The Descendants, you know, I, I can't... I'm going to see her forever if I start doing this. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, um, there's definitely some... I definitely hear some some Descendants and the guitar player. There's a little bit of that surf punk going on. In yeah, there. I mean, yeah. it depends on the songs, too. Like, um, a lot of the songs... So... We kind of write for a record, if that makes sense. Like, we yeah. have concept ideas, and we're like, all right, we're going to make everything fit into this. So the next, uh, we have an EP we're going to do, but we're doing another full length after that. And the full length after that, we've already planned, is going to be built around um, punk music, really. Yeah. Like, it's going to be more punk than the record here, which is a little bit heavier, a little bit more. Uh, we've been compared a lot of stoner rock with it, which is kind of comical to us, but, you know, uh, there's too many <laughs> fucking genres. Um, but, uh, yeah, like... It's just, I mean, to us, it's just like, it's just rock music. But yeah, I mean, I, No Effects is definitely an influence there. Yeah. Um, that song especially is a very, like, uh, you know, mid-90s pop punky melodic yeah. hardcore kind of sounding song. I mean, we also have stuff like, you know, was it, was it? And that right there one's like, you know, it sounds like a bad religion for Yeah, it does. And, so we have a lot of stuff like that, and you know, there's just it just depends. Like, I it, it always depends on what I'm listening to when I'm writing. Cause I I had a spell of like six months where I was writing, like I was listening to nothing but blues music, like old blues. And so then huh. like I'm writing all these stuff that like has more like blues influenced riffs and yeah. and stuff like that. You know, um, we have a song called Old Piano Records. That's just using like you know sustained or uh, suspended uh, fifths on the G and you know and B and stuff and B minors and B sevens and stuff and then people are always like what? and then I always throw these little like wait. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are always it's pretty bluesy. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. Like, I'm a big Muddy Waters fan, so that'll always make its way in there. Um, yeah, stuff like that. But I listen to so much music, dude. It's like... I'm the same way. There's no, like, set thing. Like, uh, we... Our whole drive up here, two things we listen to. We listen to, like, 17 different covers of... Um, with Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. Oh, jeez. From, oh, yes. from The Witcher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Bailey, just because we were joking, like, oh, let's go through see all of them. And I was making a comment, I'm going to do, I'll have to do like a punk cover of it. That'd be fun. Yeah. You know? And then the other thing we were listening to for the most of the time, we're talking about nerd rock. If you guys remember the nerd rock boom in the 90s, you know, Cake and um, Not a Surf. Not a Surf. Guys. Yeah. And so we were. Autograph picture of Not a Surf right there. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so we were yeah. talking about those guys and everything. And um, yeah, so it's just, it's like, I, I mix it up all the time, man. Like, yeah. I've, I, I think my my Apple Music, I think I have something like 6,000 songs on there right now or something. It's crazy. Yeah. And um, it just depends on what the mood I'm in. Like, I listen to so much shit. Uh, I can sit here and wax, like, everything about hip-hop, you know, classic hip-hop to punk to Delta Blues to jazz to... I listen to, I'm one of those people who, you know, you're like, people say, listen to everything. I listen to everything but shitty metal. <laughs> and radio pop. I listen to some shitty metal. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would do anything. That's why I said some. Yeah, hey, I listened to I listened to uh, Stereotype I whenever Jesse was lead singer. 
I'm waiting. I was waiting for like more response. I'm just fucking with Jesse. I love Jesse. I like I Jesse. I love you, Jesse. It's a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. I didn't there goes the emails. He's <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm gonna make a solo about it. Is uh, is Dan still their bass player? I think so. Okay, I played with Dan many years ago. Yeah, they yeah. have a new singer, and the new stuff sounds really good. Like, I, he, Jesse sent me one of the demos. I really liked it. I haven't heard any of the new I'm stuff. I'm not a yet. big fan of the kind of music they play. Like, honestly, like, yeah. and he knows that. But I really liked the new song he sent me. I was very impressed. Um, it it's one of the things. Like, I, I feel like um, I feel like that definitely was something they needed. Was that someone to really bring yeah. that that vocal? And I think. It, I, I I think also part of it is Jesse's a good player, but I think that he, he's distracted playing, so his vocals are going to take a hit. That, that's what I said too. Yeah, he um, he needs to do one or the other. Yeah, yeah. But uh, especially I mean, with the kind of music they're doing. I mean, in my opinion in this area, like I I I, I was to do like a ranking in the areas. The Trades would be the best band in Akron right now. Avondale's would be the best band in um, probably like my neck of the woods, the Ashtabula area. Yeah. Um, Three Vultures would be this area. Uh, and probably Blacklister, maybe, from Cleveland, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, like, that'd be, like, my rankings if I were going to do something. Um, just because I've, I've, I go out to a lot of shows. I'm one of those weird people that actually go to shows that I'm not playing. Yeah. That's rare. I know. It's that whole, like, growing up and going to shows in the 90s. I think that's what it is. You know, it's weird when when I was booking shows at Chippers, I noticed every once in a while we'd get a show where you just see a ton of guys that weren't playing that would show up, but then there'd be like a two or three month period where you know, none of them would show up. But it's just that one show, like they would all come out. It's part of being a scene, and people forget that part of being a scene is supporting. Supporting, yeah. So I mean, support local music, but don't. I'm not gonna go to your show. I'm not playing. Yeah. So I'll I mean, give you a share on Facebook. That's all I'm about to do. Today. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like every show that I've promoted up here has been super successful, and I've been to a lot of shows that people have promoted that have been bad, and then I get asked questions of like, "How did you do that?" And I'm like, "Well, I didn't post it all on Facebook. I made an event on Facebook because it's sort of just a thing, and then I printed out a thousand flyers, and I drove around, and I passed out flyers, and I flyer." parking lots and I went to colleges and dropped That's unheard of these days, man. I went to Ranger record stores and I, I did all this stuff and, you know, it took me four or five hours in one afternoon, but I did it for the show and now there's 200 people here and then there people are like, oh, you know, but old school marketing doesn't work. Anymore. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's why there's five people here and they're all in my band watching your band. Uh, you want to do one more song? Uh, all right, let's do one more. I gotta take a piss while you're doing that, though. All right. I've had to pee for like five minutes. So I could, you know, what? I could, I could hear it while I'm up there, so it works. It's not like I'm missing out on the song, but I do have to go take a piss while he's doing this. <laughs> Don't leave me alone. All right, I'll do. Uh, I'll do. Is this punk? I know. So, did you do the, all the artwork on your CD cover and in the book? Yes. Because I like how the book is. How you have it looks like those lyrics to the songs that yep. are in here. Yep. And it's all different fonts. Like, did you type some and then handwrite some of them? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of what I do to make my 
Kelly is graphic design and comic books, so I mean, I do Rick and Morty covers right now, so that's the thing. Oh, I love it. You son of a bitch, I'm in.
my god, are they fucking expensive? Yeah, my kids are <laughs> my kids are so expensive, and so if I didn't have the children, I probably would be in a much more financially oh, yeah. stable yeah. position. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's uh, you know, it's, it's my uh, cross to bear, I guess. I don't know. Like, I love my kids. I got I. It's funny. I was this guy that never wanted children. And then when my ex-wife ran off, I kind of was just like, well, that, kind of got kids. Did, I, so I've <laughs> didn't want kids, but here I am. <laughs> but I've got, you know, I've got uh, the best wife in the world now, and I got the best kids in the world. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want kids either. I had my first one. I'm like, this is cool. I want to, I want to do this again. And here I am. With yeah, all I don't want kids. kids. <laughs> I've got cats and dogs now. I'm fine with them. <laughs> Look, they're getting there, man. Like my my son will be 18 in two years and then he'll live in my basement forever but still you know <laughs> at that point I can hit him and it'll be legal um, but <laughs> that was a joke it was a joke I don't want to hit him not I mean sometimes I want to hit him yeah, I say it <laughs> I, I had the cutest little boy everyone wants to hit their kids every yeah. once but, uh, no I mean yeah but that's, I mean that's it I mean like really like for us right now um, you know sorry changing topics but uh, for us, now, now this is about the music, right? Yeah. Well, I say like co- coming back to that real quick. Uh, cause I know you guys wanted to ask a couple questions about comics, but I'm I'm gonna have to go shortly. No, no, I, no. You're good, man. So, we've been going at it for over an hour. Yeah. Man. So my, I'm actually uh, gonna have you drop some plugs and then wrap things up. All right, cool. Well, I mean, did you want to ask me comic questions first? Because I mean, oh, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not a comic guy. I don't. What uh, what what's the most recent comic you've been working on? Is it original or do you work for someone else? Uh, there you go. That's a valid question. Sort of a mix. So um, I've been doing Rick and Morty covers on and off for like the last year. Um, what what is a Rick and Morty cover? What would that be? Just covering the comic. So basically, like you take the Rick and Morty assets, you draw them as they draw them, but you make your own story along with it. No, as in like Ani, the company that Adult Swim works with to release their comic books, uh-huh. pay me money to then go, hey, we want Rick and Morty doing this on the cover, and then I draw that. Okay, so you're just doing a cover art. You're not yeah, doing... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I do... I do... I've done I thought two. you meant like cover like how you cover songs. No, 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 that's no, 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 no. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. It's, it's, you know, like, I, I thought that's what you meant. I'm like, you probably think I'm covering like... Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Stinking. It's the, the terminology's... We're not comic right. guys here. Yeah. The comic... The comic... Comic terminology no, crosses over. But yeah, so I do the covers for that. Every You know, I've done a few of those over the last couple of years... Or last year. And then on my own, I've released... I've got a story called Wrong Way, an American punk story, which is a, um, a slice of life book. It was my first time I ever tried to do one of those, and it's done really well, a bunch of awards, really cool stuff. And um, I released the third issue of that last year, and I'm thinking three more issues, and I'll be done with it completely. Um, and then I've got, I'm working on, um, find it funny, they're not a comic show, but they're gonna get an exclusive. I'm, me and the guy that I co-created the Overwatch property stuff with that we sold to um, Blizzard. We are working on releasing all of our original run of that story under a different name that basically will be what Overwatch would have been if we had not sold it to Blizzard. Um, So we're going to release that this year. We've got most of it done. It's just getting colored now. And then um, outside of that, the last... uh, so 2017 was a weird year for me. I was working at DC Comics and I decided um, after a thousand and one revision requests and annoyances while I was working on Green Lantern that I was exhausted. 
And so we're at a con and I'm on a panel, which is much like a podcast, but yeah. in a room with people. And I looked over at my editor at one point, someone fielded a question to me about Green Lantern, and I go, uh, I think I quit. And they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely done. I this and I got up and I walked out. And so one of the news uh, websites the next day was like, uh, Martin Dunn completely embraces punk rock uh, like aesthetic or something <laughs> because I had just launched Punk House Press, which was my, my new imprint that I was doing like music and, and comics and stuff through. And so, yeah, but yeah, I quit DC and um, I was burned out. A friend of mine had just died. So that was, you know, that was rough. And so he was like a buffer for me. Like I always send him ideas, art, things I was working on. Like, hey, what do you think of this? And he died really suddenly. We didn't expect, he was 28. And, um, you know, it just, it threw me off. And so I started Komodo Bombs, uh, you know, my other band. And it was sort of just a, a way to, um, I don't know, just therapy in a way. Yeah. I hadn't played music in 10 years at that point. So I just wanted to do something. So I started playing again and we put together this band and. My wife sang and I played guitar and my you know, best friend played bass and his wife played drums and she never played drums in her life, but we made it work and, you know, it was fun. Now we did, we did EP and stuff. And so, you know, I, I basically, from that point on, I've, I, I was kind of like, I had this Nick, like I have all these little nicknames and comments, but I was one of the, like one of the things they kept giving me was the hardest working man in independent comics, the hardest working man in comics, all these things. And the reason that was, was I was, I was working 12 plus hours a day, sometimes way more, 18 hours, writing, drawing, inking, coloring, lettering, prepress, everything you can imagine for like 30 different books. Oh, wow. So when you have an output of that much, a lot of my fan base didn't realize that I had basically stopped cold, just hadn't done shit for almost a year because I had just so much backlog that was just coming out. So then sometime around summer, well, it was a little bit before summer last year, um, I did MegaCon, which was the first major convention I had done since 2017. And um, I, uh, I went to that one and, and it was like, everyone was just like blown away, where have you been, whatever. And I hadn't had nothing new come out in like a year. And we sold out all my stock that weekend because obviously everyone was excited to come back or whatever, but I wasn't really back. I haven't really decided when I'm ready to go back full time because I was exhausted with comics. Comics yeah. was a very exhausting job. So um, I know it's like a long form version of the, of the answer. But <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to give you context so that it makes sense. Like I went from literally producing and re releasing 50 books a year to like three. <laughs> so the most recent stuff I've been working on has basically been um, you know, like I said, mostly I guess Rick and Morty, I guess, and then you know the the stuff that we're re-releasing and everything. I've been doing that now, but yeah. So they didn't. Did they try to contact you to work on Overwatch too? No. That's crazy because I like the way they said they're gonna have a story and do all that. You think they'd have the original people, but like, hey, make us a story. What, what do you the, think? Uh, you, you just came up with the concept and then sold it to them, right? Um, so it's it's a little more complicated than all that. Sorry, but you can't really comment. I'm sure there's probably well, a. Well, I mean, that's been it's been long enough now that that's been lifted. But um, basically, what happened? I'll try to make this as fast as possible. Uh, we had created Overwatch as a Kickstarter project, got it fully funded, ready to go. We're gonna release it independently. Um, 
we did the we did the first issue, got it out there, people loved it, it was cool, and then I think it was right after that we got someone had tagged me on Facebook that Overwatch was coming out, Blizzard's Overwatch video game, and we were like, oh, that's cool, whatever. I didn't look at it, I didn't really pay attention to it, and then um, fast forward a couple months, I get an email from their uh, legal department saying that they want to talk because we own the copyrights, all this stuff to Overwatch, and um, we have character similarities. And so we got a, a lawyer who sort of led us down the wrong path, and at the end of it all, we got um, a very low sum. I don't want to necessarily say how much, but we'll put it yeah. this way. It was under 20 grand. Oh wow! And they wow. turned around and made like I think it was like yeah. six billion off that damn game. Yeah, yeah. they monetized loot boxes so, and sales, um, merchandise. We got five issues of the comic series. They did. They put our names in it, but we didn't do anything. They didn't ask us for any help. They didn't hire us to do anything. It was it was pretty big spit in the face. So I have a really really weird, bitter, salty spot for Overwatch. Mm -hmm. um, even they gave me a free copy of the game. And they gave me a uh, <laughs> consolation for, prize. Yeah. They gave me yeah. an unlimited, no, it was like forever subscription, whatever, to World of Warcraft. That's about it. That's what we got. Uh, that and some money. And so, yeah, I, they're, they're never going to call us for that. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what, do you, what do you got coming up? You did plug a, a show you got coming up. You yeah, got anything so else? January 25th, we've got um, it's us AM, and AM Gunter. Um, so um, at B side in Ashtabula, is that uh, a in the Harbor area? Yeah, no, it's on Main Street. Main Street. Okay. So yeah, it's a record shop down there. Um, we're doing an acoustic gig down there, and then it's uh, gonna be opened by uh, Gen Z and the Losers and um, Ghost Boy. Okay. And then we're doing after that. We're kind of open. We're trying to find a new drummer right now, and then we've got some stuff planned for the summer. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot. Um, outside of just releasing new music and, and promoting the record and stuff. I mean, we'll have more stuff coming out soon. I can get you that information. Right. But at the moment, we just haven't been taking any bookings because of the... Uh, the drummer situation. The drummer yeah. situation. So, you know, I mean, it's just... A, it, we had some shows booked that we had to, to cancel because of the drummer situation. Because it was sort of out of nowhere. And, you know, obviously, we're not upset with Chris. He, he was more upset than we were, I think, um, just because of his school situation. Yeah. Focus on that. So and People can stay up to date on social media, yeah, right? Yeah, so you can find us at lessonexpected.com um, or podcast.net. You can find information on the Less Than Expected Facebook page. We're on Instagram, Less Than Expected Band. Uh, we're on the YouTube. If you look for us, I don't know. We won't have, like, a YouTube name yet. I don't think we have enough followers on there yet. Um, and... I think that's all we have right now. All right. We don't cool, need Twitter man. or anything. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's it. All right. That's how you find them. And then, obviously, the record's on everything. And you can buy the record, too, physical copies. So, awesome, yeah. man. So, you're on, like, Spotify, iHeart, all that Spotify, shit? Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, iTunes, Apple, YouTube. All um, over the place. Everywhere yeah. that they have music. Awesome. You know, all the different music venues. And then... If you want physical copies of the record, you can order them directly from us, or you can go to, band, to Andy at B-Side, or 
Or just don't be a cuck and go to the fucking show. Or go to a show and buy yeah. it. We'll Meet these guys. They're cool dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, Great talk, man. Fun. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. Stay tuned. Talk, man. I can't believe we went over an hour on that. Jeez. That dude was Whew. crazy. That dude came prepared, though, man. He uh, brought, like, shirts and buttons, stickers, CDs, and, like, damn, dude. Reminds me of the days when I was uh, promoting shows, getting all kinds of free merch. Yeah. Let's see, I didn't even open the... Let me open up the uh, t-shirts. It looks like Yeah. You know, I always... Uh, I mean, it was always a, a nice gesture, band giving me like free merch. But I always tried to pay him for it. Yeah, you know, it's like, dude, I know you guys don't make a whole lot of fucking dough off of this. Let me give you something. Put money in their tip oh, jar or something. Less than expected logo. That's cool though, man. Yeah, That's cool shirts. Cool. Yeah. Industrial. Good dude. Yeah. Ooh, I like the. Martin, it's a nice T-shirt Martin too. Like, that was his name. Good fabric. Yeah. Give me him. Gilded. Yeah, it's like a yeah. nice fabric. Like it's not like a, it's not harsh. It's soft. It's yeah, it's good. It's a nice t-shirt. Kind of like your cock. My cock is very rough. Soft. No, it's flaccid. Not. Flaccid. <laughs> oh man! So I was just reading during that last break. Uh, you know, Boy George is. Boy yeah, George. Boy George. Yeah. From uh, Culture Club. So he, the guy uh, chameleons. yeah, 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 that guy. So he was saying that he like he destroyed the whole concept of uh, the the whole pronoun thing. Said it's basically modern day attention seeking. You know, I'm kind of down with that because I think <laughs> I think too many labels. It's what really holds the LGBTQ, RSTLNE people back. It's you want to be accepted, but you want to put labels and everything and confuse the shit out of people, and you just make it too hard. People are just like, I don't want to deal with this. Well, you know, this whole uh, gender thing is kind of getting out of control, I, I guess yeah. you could say. 
for lack of a better term. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings about it, you know, like, I I think of it sort of like this way, it's, I guess, a bit of a, a skewed way of looking at it, but, you know, like, we're, we're part of, uh, you know, Generation X, we're like the tail end of Gen X, you know? Yeah. And... Actually, I think we're considered millennials. No. Uh, millennials... Like there's a there's a little bit of a debate, but uh, Gen X is nine, 1964 to 1983. That's Gen X, and then 84 to 2003 hmm. is millennials. I'm 81, yeah. so you're right. 81, yeah. Every every generation is a 20 year period, so we're we're considered Gen Gen X. But you know, Gen X kind of shredded every bit of rebellion that could be thrown our way yeah you know you think about it you know there was you know there there's there you know gen x had part of the the hippie era the disco era the punk era the metal era grunge Grunge, new metal like all those different eras of rebellion yeah and what else is there after that well let's uh Come up with all these gender things. Yeah, the gender. And, you know, and this the is our different rebellion. sexualities and stuff. There's so many sexualities anymore. Like, I mean, you're you're gay, straight, or bi is how I always looked at it. But then now you've got like uh, people claiming to be asexual. Asexual. Like, is that gender queer? Like, is is asexual really a sexuality or lack you know of? I know someone that is asexual. I'm not gonna mention who it is, but I I really know someone, and it's it's weird to me. And I asked her about it, but is it a sexual orientation or is it a lack of sexual orientation? Is my question. Is it, it I seems would, more like I it's a lack of it a lack of. Yeah. I would say because you're not you're not interested in anyone physically. Yeah. like that. Emotionally, you're cool with someone. Like you talk to someone and, and be friends with them. You just don't enjoy sex. And then the, your the newest one that, that people I see talking about is uh, sapiosexual. Huh? Yeah, where you're not attracted to anybody's physical looks. It's all about their intelligence. Oh, I'm fucked. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Sapio. I have never heard that one. Yeah. Asexual. I think nerds made that up to trick dumb chicks into sleeping with them. Asexual seems to me more like incels. Yeah, Ace, yeah they're they're incels and they just want to feel like they fit in somewhere. So yeah, kind of that shit. I I think that the problem like is labeling. I don't think we need all these labels. Yeah. Like I I hate when I meet someone like like we were talking to the guy earlier. How everyone wants to like where is a crutch? Like how the guy has the aneurysm thing on his car. Oh, business card. Yeah. Like if I meet you, I don't want to say. Hi, I'm Ed. I, this is my preferred pronoun. This is my orientation. Yeah. I don't have to go through a fucking checklist. Hi, I'm Ed. You're, you're Tom. Nice to meet you, Tom. Let's go have some drinks. You know, yeah. I don't want to know if you're gay, straight, a cancer survivor, a marathon runner, if your child is a honor roll yeah, student. Non-binary or whatever. Yeah, call, I, don't wanna, yeah. I don't care if your yeah. kid's transitioning. Whatever. Yeah. Just be a cool person. And I like you. That's all. Yeah, I, like... I, I see on social media all the time, like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that shit. People have their their pronoun labels in their like their uh, page bio. 
And it's like, yeah. I, okay. Like, and then people get mad too. Like, if you just meet somebody in person and you assume their gender, like, they get mad about it. It's like, you have you short didn't, hair You didn't and stuff. tell me. You didn't tell me. So, yeah. And I think and that's. I don't really care. Like, if I, if I refer to you as a he instead of a she, just correct me. You know? Just that's like, like Bruce uh, Jenner. Like Bruce Jenner, the whole Bruce Jenner thing. Yeah. If you go so long as being a guy, you're just a guy. If you're born with a penis, you're a guy. If you're born with a vagina, you're a girl. Well, I think if people want to transition, if they want to become a gender, good for them as long as they're happy. Just know yeah. that prepare yourself for the attention, for the confusion. You should know. You shouldn't just expect everyone because you want to change yourself. That's good for you. But you can't expect everyone around you that's known you for years as Chuck to automatically call you seductress or whatever the hell your name's going to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's like the 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 boys transitioning to girls and whatnot in sports, in high school sports. There was yeah. a state that recently passed a law that said if you're born a boy, you have to do boy sports. If you're born a girl, you do girls. I mean, sports. I get I that. How you transition? I get that because there are differences. Like, uh, you know, the way muscles build in men is different than women. Bone density, all that shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a there's a huge difference. And socially, like, see, when it comes to sports, yeah, I could see that. But socially, socially like I don't equal. give a flying fuck yeah. what your fucking gender or sexuality is. Like, why do we need to debate about? You know, why do we have to come up with all this other bullshit? You know, physically we're different. We're di- it's just it's no fact. It's but, to fight that is just going against basic science. Yeah. I don't know. They say there's scientific basis that say that gender is a social construct, and there's a whole spectrum. And I don't, I, don't know, I haven't found anything conclusive I, about that. Whatever makes you feel happy at the end of the day you should explore as long as it doesn't infect other people like or affect not infect sorry affect other people yeah. if you're gonna go around toting your flag and say oh I'm transitioned you gotta give me this right this right. no I don't have to you get the same well, right as anyone else you don't get any special treatment sometimes it's like they want special treatment I'm I'm all for everybody being equal but I don't think anybody should have special treatment yeah that's exactly what I'm saying no special treatment yeah, that's, I mean, if, if we're going to talk about, you know, gender being this spectrum, then you know, what's the public restroom situation there, you know? You know... You know <laughs> the first time I heard that, I'm like, what, we have to build, like, all these different restrooms? I don't get that, because, like, I don't... Everybody goes to the bathroom. Yeah. If every bathroom would be just all stalls... The only difference in a boys' bathroom and a girls' bathroom, well, there's two differences. One, the smell. They have a very pretty, what is restroom or favorite? But men can stand up and pee in a trough. We can pee in a fucking hole in the ground. Yeah. We don't care. Women have to actually sit down unless we have to poop and then, you know, we got to yeah. squat over the hole in the trough. <laughs> well, I, was at, I was at a bar once and, like, here's where I just don't give a shit, okay? I was at a bar once and uh, I walk into the men's restroom and it's one of those restrooms you walk in, there's a stall right there, and straight across from it's a fucking urinal. Yeah. And then next to the stall, there's a sink. Okay. So I walk in, and uh, there's a girl sitting there at, in the stall with the door open. And I'm like, oh, my bad. And I start to walk in. She's like, no, 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 you're fine. 
Okay, so I'm gonna go over and take a pee, and she's just having a conversation. She's taking this shit, you know. She's having a conversation with me. Like I didn't care, she didn't care. We're adults, and to me, it doesn't matter. Like if there's a chick like pooping in the men's room, like I don't give a shit. I'll still go in there, whatever. I don't care. You know. And then you get people that oh, we need the bathroom. Why is it if a girl goes to take shit in a boy's bathroom? Like, good for her. Good for her. But when I want to go take a shit in a girl's bathroom because I don't want to sit on a giant puddle of pee, I'm a pervert. You notice that? Well, men are usually a lot pervier than females are. Well, that's, but then that's, stereotyp- that's stereotyping. That's genderist. Fact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can play this. You guys want to play I mean, the game. We can play this game. I mean, guys... Usually, whenever they see a female, like every female they meet, they want to see her vagina. Uh, most chicks don't want to see every penis of every guy they meet. True. You know? Penis I mean, if you walk into a women's restroom, you're going to be peeking, you know? Girl can walk into how bad I got a shit. You know? <laughs> Girl walks into the men's room, she's not going to be dick checking everybody, you know? Maybe. This chick was, though. Yeah, why would you? Why wouldn't you want to go in there? My mistake that night though was I probably could have smashed, but I went and had a couple shots and got too drunk to ask her for a number later on. I hate that. Yeah, it was one of those things where I've done it so many times. I was like, I probably could have smashed this chick in the bathroom, and I was like, all right, we're just gonna go on our merry way. And then like she kept looking at me across the bar, and I'm like, I really need to go talk to this chick. She's doing some liquid courage, and then totally <laughs> forgot. One of those days, man. One of those days. The ghost of Pussy Pass comes yeah. to launch every once yeah. in a while. Ooh. Ooh, what? Keeps are coming back in the Texans, 2124. Oh, jeez. Crazy. So, yeah, it's, that's craziness. Here, it, it, I'm just going to say, like, I don't give a shit what your fucking gender is. You know, I don't give a shit what your fucking sexuality is. You know, let's not get any special treatment. Let's all be equal. Let's all be happy. You know, let's all live and let live. You know what's been pissing me off lately about special treatment? The Walmart in Boardman has a parking spot right up front on one of the side that has a sign that says reserved for law enforcement. Yeah. Is that what the fucking fire lane is for? No. Like, is, can they legally enforce that? Is that like a law or something they just threw in a suggestion? Like the expectant mother's one and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think it's law. Like, I really want to park there every fucking time I go there. I really want to park there and just dare them to give me a ticket so I can fight in court. Yeah, I don't think there's any... There would have to be a law basis. or ordinance, right? Here's, here's another thing, like, I don't get too. Um, like, if you pull into a handicapped spot at a business... Uh, it'll say right there, you know, you can get a fine up to, you know, whatever it is, $1,000, whatever it is. But if you, if somebody rear ends you in that same fucking parking lot, the cops are going to come up and be like, eh, nobody's fault, it's on private property. But they'll come and give you a ticket for parking in a handicapped spot. I think the handicapped spot, when they officially put that logo, is a part of the Americans with Disability Act. I believe that was adapted. I think that's the only because I always argue about park stop signs in parking lots. Like it's a suggestion, not a requirement. Like you said, it's private parking yeah. on the street. Like when I take a left out of the one Dunkin' Donuts in uh, in Liberty, when it says no left turn, and I do it anyways because you can't tell me no left turn. It's on a road. I can do what I want. But you're turning onto a road. Yeah, you can turn on a road any way you want. 
There's no loss that you can't, unless it's out in the street. Well, unless it's a, out in the street. There's a median there that you can't. Bullshit. <laughs> I had a lady argue with me at the uh, the Boardman uh, um, car wash. He's going to name drop every business that you visit on a regular yes. basis. I'd like to also mention the adult bookstore in Warren. There are very nice people there. I visited the other day. Sorry about the mess. No, I mean, but the same thing, like, people, they want the special, they, they, they do these things. It's like, you don't need special treatment. Unless you're pregnant or severely handicapped or injured or something like that. I know people, I have a buddy, has spina bifida. He has never once anywhere gone anywhere said, hey, let's park in handicap space. He's like, no, we'll walk. It's, and he struggles to walk. Well, and it's like he don't like they don't care like people are really hurt they're like they're like I'm not that bad so let's I go I don't like to shame people but did you know that if you're obese you can get a handicap placard and you can get disability just for being obese you see I'm in the middle on that because obesity is a problem and people always think hey just don't eat as much fat you know, but well, sometimes for, there are people It's an addiction, that, though, too. Yeah, there's you know, people that... For some that, people, it's an addiction. Yeah, and there's people that can't help it, and there's people that just have... are bad at processing shit. Like, look at me. People with I eat problems. garbage. I eat garbage. Like, I'll eat hot dog shop. Like, I had, I had Taco Bell for breakfast, and I can't seem to get myself over 220. Of course, I'm 6'3", I'm tall, so I don't look Yeah. And then there's people like anyone else that just eats a little bit and gets big. But should it be that way with everybody, though? Like, if you're obese, you're considered handicapped? Dude, it's hard being... Like, I had a neighbor named Randy when I lived in Warren in the alley. And he was, like, obese, obese. Like, his legs would lose, like, would lose circulation. They would turn purple. Like, yeah, big purple hammocks for legs. Like, yes. When you're that fat and you... Jeez. Yeah, you're disabled. I, I agree. I agree with that. But if it's your fault, though, like, what if it is your fault? See, I don't, because Randy, he was poor. Like, that guy, he lived, like, he was always outside. He had He had food stamps, but not yeah, enough, yeah. not enough that it would give him. He had, like, maybe, like, 100 bucks, 150 well, he bucks. Might have, he might have had a medical condition, then. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking a lot of those super obese guys is just, like, it's... It's a genetic mutation. Do you work. watch like my six hundred pound life? I've watched a couple oh, episodes. It just disgusts me. Some of these people, you know. Yeah, they are. It's... Eating fast food ten times a day. Yeah, if you're in that territory, it, it goes over where it's your fault. Yeah. You know? If you have some sort of a medical condition or something, that's that's a little different. You yeah, know? If you have a thyroid problem, you know, and you gain a bunch of weight because but that's that's a disability, you know. But honestly, like, I don't know. I think we as a society have gotten to a point where everybody wants that kind of treatment. So they're going to find all... And you can get a handicap placard for, you know, anxiety and depression. What does that have to do with not being able to walk very far? Yeah. Or if, if you get an anxiety attack in the store, you got to run out? And you want to be able to get to your car quickly? Is that what... Uh, Okay. Order your shit from Amazon and go to the house then. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's basically how it, you know. It's, that's another thing too, is online. Jeez. Yeah, that should, that should really cut down on a lot of it, I think. Yeah. 
I'm glad, like Grubhub and stuff like that. Holy cow! Like that really cuts down a lot of people being out. Yeah, it sure. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, there's been times when Lauren's at work and I didn't have a car, and I'm like, "Hey, Addy, let's have some, let's have a bacon and chicken nuggets for lunch and order yeah. Grubhub, and it's convenient as shit." I mean, if I was a big fat guy, that's probably what I would do. You know, when I lived in Florida, I used those those services a lot more because, you know, I was in Orlando. The traffic was fucking horrendous. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, so I got to go. Like, if I want to bring something home, all right, I got to drive out, you know, to McDonald's or uh, Pizza Hut or whatever and then drive back. You know, by the time I get home, the shit's going to be cold. Yeah. have somebody else pick it up that's already in that area. They can bring it to me. They have insulated bags. Yeah. I feel bad. I always felt bad ordering pizza when it snows and roads are bad. Like, I know the roads are shit. Yeah. But I'm going to trust this freaking teenager and his little geo to bring me pizza and not kill himself on the way here. I always felt bad for pizza kids. Like, I always tip them extra couple blocks. Yeah, if I if I order food in a snowstorm or rainstorm or whatever, I'll tip extra. I, I always tip to the weather. How fast you got there? I, I also, the I also go by like cute. how far away they are from the store. You know, if I live far away from their store, I'll tip them more. Yeah. You know, if they're just super awesome, you know, I'll tip them more. But usually, like as far as tipping delivery, like my base is usually five. You know, it it can go up or down depending. I usually yeah. don't give less than three bucks though. You know, I try. I I mean, I try to make it at least five. You know, but if you're just a complete rude asshole, like one time, I had a guy pull in, blaring his fucking music, never turned it down when he got out of the car, never turned his music down, came to the door smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So, I actually didn't tip him at all, which I really don't do, but, you know, I kid in the house I was sleeping. Yeah. You could have woke up my kid, you know. If a place puts a delivery charge on there, I like to assume that, that the driver gets that delivery they charge. Don't, though. You know, then Which is bullshit, yeah. Yep. I need they need to be a little bit more transparent, like what the charge is for, who does it go to. Yeah. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna charge me for delivery, but not give it to that kid that's bleeding to me, why why are you charging me for delivery? Yeah, I I don't know why it would go to the store, but it does. The same goes with like Uber Eats and all that shit, don't they? Pocket that, or does the delivery person get that? I don't even know. I think if if I, I pizza shops, right, it goes to the store. If I recall right, when I when I was doing the the Grubhub whatever, I think it goes to the driver on like they automatically add a ticket or something like charge? that. Yeah. Okay. It's automatically added in. Cause that's how they pay it. Like Grubhub gets like a percentage from the store yeah. for being sold. Well, they Grubhub. they upcharge for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah so like a little bit. Yeah. So Grubhub keeps that difference, and the five dollars. Yeah, it goes to yeah. the driver. Well, there you go. We have to find a Grubhub to find one and ask them. Yeah. I order I order some Azumi next week, and I'll say, hey, I need to ask you a few questions. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna. Uh... We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with that uh, interview with Kurt from uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. So, stay tuned. Hey, Jack, I know what you're thinking. This now's as good as any juice I'm drinking. 
chat me more He wanders to and fro Isn't my favorite watering hole I says, hey, Mo, how you doing? Where have you been? He says, I've been fine with my whiskey, wine, and gin drummer for Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Uh, you guys are getting ready to play the grand opening of the Robbins Theater in Warren, Ohio tonight. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, we're really excited. Yeah? Yeah. Is this uh, your first time ever doing like a grand opening for No, we've done, we've done grand openings for renovations before. Okay. Uh, but don't press me for details. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not from around here, so you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're from uh, Ventura, California? Ventura, California. Yeah, that's where the majority of us are. Okay. Yeah. You guys are out on the road celebrating your 25th anniversary, right? Uh, actually, so that was last year. Oh, that was last year. 26. Okay. And we're coming up on our 3,000th show. Wow. Yeah. Like, two days. All, all together? Yeah. Wow. Two more days. That's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but you guys have actually been together as a band longer than that, right? Well, Scott and I met in, like, 1988. And we played together in his lockout. He, he played in another band. I played okay. in But then uh, we formed a trio in, I'm going to say, uh, 92. Okay. And then started the swing. It was the same name. Yeah. But it was more like uh, blues and um, roots rock. And, okay. Uh, Jimi Hendrix covers and Tom Waits and stuff. And then we started the swing thing in about 90. I think our first record was in 94. So we were playing yeah. in 93. Already, okay. uh, I know Scott started out playing punk music. Is that what you started out playing too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you guys make that transition from punk to swing? Uh, you know, I mean, it seems like an odd pairing, but yeah. I mean, the whole thing about punk rock was if you had something to say, then get out there and say it. Um, it's just that with swing and jazz, it's you know a lot. You have a lot more classical training that you kind of should undergo before you do it. So when we started out, it was pretty rambunctious. You know, and uh, and pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but 
it, I think people really dug on the energy, and they definitely knew what we were trying to get across. And uh, you know, we just went out there and just and hit it. You know, and uh, we wore suits, but Scott was still playing out of his you know really super loud Fender amp and Strat, <laughs> and, and it was it was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then things have kind of um, you know we've polished that diamond quite a bit over yeah. the years. Uh, now, over the past twenty five years, though, you guys have had a pretty incredible career. Uh, probably your first big break was when you guys performed in the movie Swingers, right? I'd say, yeah. It didn't seem like it at the time, though, because, um, you know, it was pretty low-key. I mean, there, Doug Lyman, the director, filmed it all by himself. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he had the camera in his hand. Yeah, and, that was a pretty low-budget film. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and we were just, you know, we were at the Derby every Wednesday, and John Favreau was there, and so it was just, our part, at least, was just another night at the Derby. Yeah. Um, only with cameras and and a little more pressure. How did you guys land that? Well, we've been playing there. We had a residency at the Derby every uh, Wednesday. Okay. Probably for a year and a half. And we met John Favreau. He was there swing dancing. And Scott's girlfriend um, used to dance with him. And so we got to know him pretty well. And I believe he had Royal Crown Review in mind for that. But they had just gotten signed to Warner Brothers and yeah. going out on the road. So it would have been a lot more expensive to land them, huh? I think they were just too busy. Okay. Yeah, because they that was their gig was every Wednesday at the Derby, okay. and then they got the record deal, and so they were too busy to to do their Wednesdays. So we moved in, and um, I, John, I think when that didn't work out with them, he asked us, and and you know, we'll, yeah, we'll do it for so sure. Did you guys make friends with John and, and Vince when they were filming that? Uh, well, we were already friends with John and. I, I didn't run around in the same circles as Vince. I know Scott knows Vince a little bit better than I okay. do, but but yeah, we kind of met them all through that experience. Yeah, was it cool working with them? Oh, those they, guys were, they were, were still the I mean, they weren't really big stars at the time. Not at all. Yeah. No, no, no. They, that, that was a movie that kind of made their careers. I think it did a lot for for all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Because I mean, you think about it in the age of social media. Um, that was the social media. The record went across the country. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, people knew who we were in New York and maybe even here. In yeah. Warren, you know. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, social media and, you know, the industry, the music industry has changed a lot just in the last decade. You know, physical albums are kind of a thing of the past. Yeah. Streaming has taken over. Uh, how's, how's that affected you guys? Have you... Because other bands I've talked to, they've said... They feel like they have to tour a lot more. You guys feel that same way too? Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's the main way you make money now is from the live show. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not a lot of publishing and um, record sales. Definitely are. You know, a, 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 they're not a thing of the past. I mean, I, we do sell vinyl. Yeah. And we sell CDs at shows, but like you said, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of different outlets and ways to get your music now. Uh, my son uh, listens to everything. Primarily on uh, YouTube. Yeah, and he has. You know, we have we have some apps too that we use. You know, um, Spotify. Uh, but it's different. You know, when we were kids, we went to the record store. And the thing that caught your eye was the artwork on the record. Yeah, and then you'd pick it up and read about it, and there's all this writing on it and everything. And now it's it's completely different yeah. you know and, and there's a lot of remixes and it's 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 crazy so my, my son's world of music is is different but my older son he's 21 he he's he's a lot more hip and old school and in that respect and so he's he's kind of delving into both worlds 
Yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange time. The thing I always loved about record stores was the hunt. You know, oh yeah. You go in there with like fifteen dollars. You knew you had enough to buy like one CD or one cassette or something. Yeah. So just searching for that right one and just sifting yeah. through everything. And that was what trade, I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Or you could trade stuff, yeah. or you know, and then and you'd look there. There'd be you'd listen to the radio to figure out what's new, yeah. or maybe there'd be some sort of a newsletter, or you could pick up a record magazine and learn about who was coming out with a new record. Yeah. And, um, and now there's just so much stuff coming out that it's really, really hard to keep up. Yeah. Do you feel like you guys were kind of like the band that kicked off the whole swing revival? Oh no, I, I, no? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I just think that. Um, I just think we did a really good job at it, you yeah. know, and and we obviously we've been together 26 years, so we we get along really well, and I really think that that comes across um, to people when they see us play. They see how much fun we have, and they have a great time too. And you know, we're 100% committed to having a great time. And if someone's taking the time to get a babysitter and come out and see the show, we're going to put on the best one we could possibly yeah. do. So. Um, yeah, I, I, but there was you know there was a lot of bands that were doing it at the same time. Oh um, yeah, there was an overwhelming yeah. amount of bands. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing about Royal Crown Review and going to see them at the Derby and, and just being blown away at that that their their amazing you know prowess at how good they were at what they were doing. And, yeah. You know, we were we had been doing it for a little while too, but we just kind of were in our bubble in Ventura and then um, started you know obviously we heard that. The Brian Setzer Drum Time Whale commercial, oh, yeah. and um, then we heard about the band in Eugene, Cherry Pop and Daddies, and then we got on the road, and then we started when things started really cracking. Then a lot of people kind of got into it and yeah. started playing the music as well. But um, a lot of them have kind of fallen by the wayside since then. Yeah, um, and we just I just saw Squirrel Nut Zippers a few years ago. They're still <coughs> out there doing it. Yeah. Yes, they are. It's you know it's different members. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, they still are. the same sound though. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah. They were actually one of my favorites, I, uh, and we played shows with them. Before. Oh, did you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I always loved those guys. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, going and making that transition from from punk to swing music, who were some of your influences going into the swing music stuff? Well, my grandpa played in big band, so um, and he actually he played in the in World War Two. Uh, he was he was drafted just short of his 38th birthday which okay. I think was the cutoff but fortunately for him he got to be in the band and so we had a lot of records at home my dad and so I think the first one I put on was uh, Benny Goodman live at Carnegie Hall nice and I put on Sing 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 and Her Jean and just that was it you know and my dad was always really good about taking us to see music I think my first concert was uh, Kiss and Cheap Trick in 1976 right. and I saw Peter Chris, but I also saw um, Bonnie Carlos with Cheap Trick, and, and I was 12 years old, and wow. I was blown away. You know, I, I think there's other people that'll say they were there when when the Beatles were on, you know, on TV for the first time, and yeah. they saw Ringo, and wow, but um, that was a little, little before my time. But yeah. uh, I remember that was when I realized, like, that's, that's really cool, I want to do that. But it, it wasn't really, you know, to make a living, it was just for fun, and and that was one thing I think that Gene Krupa really got across was just he had a huge smile on his face the whole time, yeah. and he was super fun. And his music really, I mean, it just made you move. 
Yeah, yeah, that floor tom beat and sing, sing, sing is just it's, it's, it's undeniable. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you guys were get, first getting started, this is something I've always wondered about the big band and swing band sort of stuff. You know, a lot of you guys are probably working regular jobs and stuff. Is it harder with such a large band to get together and and keep things going? Everyone's got all kinds of stuff going on. You got a lot of guys. You got works around their schedules and everything. Well, no, this is what we do. I mean, before oh, when before you first getting that. started, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when we first started, uh, we we wanted a, an acoustic bass player. Okay, and we had heard that uh, there was a guy in Santa Barbara that actually owned a bass. So it really wasn't from us in the beginning. It wasn't like. Um, we need a guy that just shreds. It yeah. was like, we need a guy that has the bass, you know, because in 1992 or three, uh, we didn't know a lot of people that had acoustic bass that weren't already, you know, like maybe they were played in rockabilly bands and yeah. so forth, so they were already set up. But we had heard that this guy had a bass that was Dirk, and we, I called his answering machine. I had his number somehow, because I know he, I think he did sound reinforcement too in Santa Barbara. And, he was playing his acoustic bass on his answering machine cassette, like outgoing message. Oh wow! And so, so I called Scott and said, "Hey, listen, I think this is—he's got a bass." And so Scott listened, and that was his audition: was yeah. was us calling his answering machine. Uh, and then uh, we had heard that someone had a Barry sax and someone else had a trumpet, you know, and so we kind of got a hold of them. And then as as we got going, fortunately, Andy was an amazing Barry sax player. Our trumpet player at the time, it was he hadn't really picked it up since high school. So yeah. then we kind of you know got it together and like okay, so we went to Cal State Northridge and I know a guy and Glenn came on board and um, and we started getting people that were actually in music school. But at first it was you know like it was that punk rock thing you know yeah. who's who's got a football okay you're in you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and and people just we were just so into it that we just made it work. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Though. Yeah, because I, I figured you know the more people you got in the band, the harder it is to you know keep things going. Because I've you know, I've done music before, and the four or five piece bands are, are tough. That's can that's true, and that that is the you know that is the, the formula I guess is, is is finding people that get along and and. Uh, and I like I'm going back to that idea I had about it. You know, when you see us play, it's just it's obvious that we love what we do. And as soon as everyone was on board and we were playing, then that was it. It yeah. was it, we were we were hooked, and and nobody wanted to get off that ride. And uh, and sure, we I know I had a job, and it, like I said, it wasn't really my intention. I just at one point I couldn't do both. We were so busy. We yeah. go away. I I leave my work at on Friday. And then we'd go away for the weekend, maybe as far as Arizona, and come back. And then Monday, I would just be, you know, dead. And so I, I finally couldn't do both. And unfortunately, my my work was willing to give me a leave of absence for a year. And I just I yeah. never looked back. Um, so I don't think it it never really really did seem hard to me. What seemed hard was was uh, oh, when's the next gig? When's yeah. the next one? I can't wait. You know, or when's the next rehearsal? You know, everyone was just chomping at the bit to get going. It wasn't a thing where, you know, I'm too busy. Uh, this was, everyone dropped everything when this band came. That's yeah. awesome. That's incredible dedication. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. Glenn, Glenn, our trumpet player, was doing cruise ships. And and, <laughs> wow. and we just, Scott was, we managed ourselves. So Scott 
managed to get us a lot of private gigs, weddings and parties, because that kind of music is really, really, everyone loves it. And it's just perfect for a wedding. And it's perfect yeah. for a party. And it's perfect for anyone, all age groups. So Scott did a really great job of, of getting the gigs that allowed us to leave our jobs and continue to do what we were doing. And we, we, and we managed ourselves until we absolutely couldn't do it anymore. And the funny thing is now we manage ourselves again because we've done it so long we know better, I think, than, than most managers of how to make us work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to take a guess here, but probably the most exciting gig of your career would probably be playing Super Bowl 33, right? You know, that was that was pretty amazing. Um, we got to record with Stevie Wonder, so I, I, I think that that's, you know, your... What was that process like, recording with Stevie Wonder? You know, it, that was done, I would say, maybe fiber optically. Um, okay. Yeah. So you weren't, we, like, in the same room as him recording that? Not, no, we weren't. We were there, I think we were in Miami the week before doing, maybe, uh, you have to forgive me, but it might have been the Orange Bowl. Okay. Um, and it was before the Super Bowl, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry about, like, not knowing the exact details. No, I think I know. you're right. I think it was the Orange Bowl. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, the Orange Bowl's before. Yeah, yeah. so we, cool, were, yeah. we were... We were out in I think we were in Miami and we got into a studio and we recorded our version of, uh, of uh, Sir Duke yeah um, and they were just you know we could hear him in our in our cans okay uh, I mean because I remember him saying hey can you shuffle the, the hi-hat beat a little more or whatever and they said yeah Stevie's not here but I'm his music um, you know I'm his music guy and so I'm I'm gonna work with you guys on it and we did the whole thing and then found out that Stevie actually was there the whole time, and then he started talking to us, you know, through the through the oh, headphones, and uh, and he was, he was really really funny um, and super great guy. And then the next week we came back and and got off the plane, and there was cameras everywhere, and we got to meet Stevie and Gloria Estevan and you know all the musicians, and um, and it was four wild super fun days. Yeah, really a lot of fun, and probably you know one of the most exciting eleven minutes of my yeah. life. And. I had just had a child, so my family was at home, and they were watching at my parents' house, and um, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty super. Yeah, between you know the live audience and then the television audience, probably the biggest audience you've ever played for. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it'd have to be. I mean, no baby, the whole millions yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and still, you know, able to see it if they want on YouTube or. Yeah, yeah, I went. I went back and watched it again. I kind of because I watched it as a kid. I remember, you know, because I watched Super Bowl since I was a kid. I was like, wow. And then you watch it again now. It's like it still holds. It's still a great performance. Yeah, yeah they went all out. I mean, it was swing dancers on stilts. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. And they always uh, go pretty hard for the Super Bowl halftime. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Not, not everybody gets to say that they played <coughs> the Super Bowl halftime. So that's that's a great thing to put on your yeah. resume there. you know and and you know who else played well, before the kickoff was kiss yeah and mm -hmm. uh i remember we were in our outfits and they were taking us down to the holding room and they had just finished their gig and they walked by and they're like seven eight feet tall you know, oh, with yeah. their boots and stuff and and i had never met them and peter chris stopped and we had a conversation for like 15 minutes oh yeah that's when they were doing the reunion the, the original KISS members right? yeah they were yeah. all original members and, yeah. and Peter was telling me that. he used to take lessons with Gene Krupa oh wow yeah Cause he, and he noted my, my kit because I was playing a, I think I was playing a Slingerland Buddy Rich model at the time so we okay. we had a lot to talk about and I remember Paul Stanley walked by and saw us and goes Lew! you know he does <laughs> the, the Paul Stanley screen and I, I you know I was beside myself oh yeah um, and I didn't have a phone 
with camera because that that, it, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So there was no selfies or anything like that, but I have it right there. Memories are sometimes better than pictures, though. Yeah, it's it's a good one. I'm not really one for doing those kind of shots, but we do have you know we do have pictures with everyone, yeah. just with you know regular camera. But that moment is just in my head, and it's just for me. Yeah. Is it really hard composing yourself? Like when you go around like those musical legends to kind of keep it like tied in, but like the little kid inside you is like, oh my god, is that person? Oh. oh my god, is that person? Hundred <laughs> percent. It, it's uh, you know I. And I'm going to be the first one to to, to do that, to, to make that mistake. Yeah. But but I know now that they don't want that. They just want someone to say, hey, oh, what's up? And you just talk yeah. about you know, anything but fame or whatever. And I'm not saying that, the, like, on my end, fame. I'm talking about Peter Chris's fame or, or Gloria Estefan or Stevie Wonder. Or, yeah. You know, I'm not going to just sit there and gush, like, oh, you changed my life with this song. I'm just going to... You know, say hey, it's it's amazing, yeah. you know, to, to do this with you and and just try and have a conversation and connect rather than and then be a fanboy. Yeah, sometimes it, it's hard for me too. <coughs> you know, I'm out there and interviewing bands that were huge when I was in high school. That you know, yeah, so, so you know really exactly. What, like I've yeah. interviewed some of my favorite bands and I'm sitting there going, don't don't fanboy, don't fanboy. Yeah, you know? yeah, you got your governor on. Yeah, you know, just like, I, I have to because you know they're. You know, they, they could be like, oh, uh, well, this guy's crazy. I'm, yeah. You know, hey, don't do an interview with this guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you should have seen him this morning. He was nervous. He's been nervous, nervous all morning. I, you know, yeah, he was. Don't I, don't get, I don't get nervous. Uh, <laughs> he had like eight cups of coffee. He ate a whole pot of I coffee. I always drink eight cups of coffee. <laughs> 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 you do the show with me all the time. You know, right? <laughs> um, but you guys you guys were the house band for the ESPY Awards for a while too how did that come yeah about? we did that uh, you know our manager at the time who helped us with the Super Bowl um, we for some reason we were in with the with ESPN and I think we even went to Connecticut and played at their studio and um, for their morning show okay and played in and out of commercials um, which was super fun as well uh, and and yeah, we did the ESPYs a couple times, and um, and that was that was wild because we were just we were playing right in front of you know there's Tiger Woods and, and everybody was just yeah. there right in the front, and I'm not really a huge sports guy, you know yeah. I just don't watch a lot of that stuff. But, but some of these guys are so recognizable that oh, even if you're not a sports fan, I, that's what was, yeah. that was going to be my point is I, I even I recognize them because yeah. they were just you know they were in the, the zeitgeist at the time, and um, but I know that you know Scott and Brian and and, and he got to speak with all those people. They were and they were all super genuine and really, really. I mean, you know, there was, there was, definitely there was a barrier between the the superstars. Yeah. But when we played the, when we played at this ESPN studios, you know, I got to hold a, a Super Bowl ring. And, oh, that's uh, cool. You know, it was the Super Bowl ring, was it? You know, like <laughs> I said, I'm not the, I'm not the guy. So you know, I. Uh, uh, my Lynn Swan was my guy, and that was when I was okay. a kid. So, yeah. but I don't, I you know, I couldn't tell you. Scott would know immediately. But <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I apologize. That, that is cool that not everybody gets a hold of Super Bowl rings. No, yeah, that's no. just a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, a few years ago, you guys played on Dancing with the Stars. Oh yeah, that was that was really fun too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've done some some fun stuff and. Um, and it's all good. I'm, I, I'm really super, you know, I, I could use that well-worn term, blessed, but I, yeah. I feel really grateful and fortunate that, that I've been able to travel this road. Um, and it has its, its its ups for sure, but it's got its downs, you know, traveling is hard. 
Oh yeah, especially and when you got a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss out miss out on a lot of things, but when I'm home, I take advantage of it as, as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you guys are going to start working on a new album, I hear. Yes, we are. So yeah, I mean, we were right. all we were planning to start this month, and okay. then all of a sudden we got this this ten uh, day run in the middle of it, and uh, we had just gotten we were gone all December. Um, and got home on January 1st. I mean, we were home for Christmas for a couple of days, yeah. and then we went back out again until until the 1st of January, and then we had one week off, which was um, a nice time to get a, a bad cold for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better to have it at home, I guess, than have it on the road. And then uh, we're back out again. So, And February is looking really busy, too. So, you know, we're just... Josh is working on arrangements on the road, and... Um, we're gonna we're gonna get it done, but we're also on the road playing music too. When you guys write, uh, what's the writing process like for you guys? Because you've got all these horn players, you've got uh, a pianist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you've got all these these parts that kind of have to come together. Yeah. Where do you begin with it's, with the writing? It's evolved. Um, when we first started, we had a rehearsal room, and then Scott would come up with a riff, and we'd sort of work on it for a while, and then um, we didn't even have a piano player in the beginning. Okay. Um, but when we did our first major label, uh, Tom Peterson, who worked with Johnny Carson and, and so forth, he he did all our horn arrangements. And Josh was with us at the time, but Josh has since become our arranger, and he's he's very good. And so Scott, at this point, will come up with the ideas for songs and then get together with Josh. Then they'll sit around a piano, or Scott maybe will have his guitar in his hand, and and they'll work on the tunes, and then Josh will come up with arrangements for the tunes. So okay. they, it's kind of a thing between the two of those guys at this point. Um, and sometimes Scott will have an idea about what he wants on the drums, and sometimes he won't. Um, I can always get the idea, you know, idea of what he's working on because before a sound check, I'll come over and go, "Hey, what's a what's a like a New Orleans street beat? Like, can you do one, um, like a mid tempo <laughs> one for me?" And he'll just have me play it for a little, and goes, "Okay, cool." And what would, what would happen if you use mallets on Tom for that or something? And he'll just go away. And it's like secret, you know. Yeah. And then he'll But you know what he's doing. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, and then they'll come out and say, hey, I just want you guys to play this. And we'll play maybe like 16 bars or something. And then and then uh, we'll get together and rehearse the whole tune. But um, it's, it's definitely, you know, we don't have the luxury of just sitting around at home because you still have to make a living as yeah. well. Um, though, um, that would be nice to have a little downtime. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, New Orleans. Have you guys ever played the New Orleans Jazz Festival? Yeah, we did. Have you? I've, yeah. I've been there a few times. It's incredible. That's the time it's, to go. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to go I've during Mardi Gras. I've been there for Gras. the Jazz Festival. I've been there for Mardi Gras, and I've had more fun at the Jazz Festival. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say that you don't want to go there for Mardi Gras, but um, it's, it's like... It's like going, there's a lot going on. It, it is, yeah. and it's so alcohol centric. Yeah. But but when you're there for jazz fest, it's just all about the music, and the it's not even always just on the big stage. You can I I love Preservation Hall. Yeah. And last time we were there, we were just watching the band, and all of a sudden Alan Toussaint comes in, oh, and he just wow. goes over and taps the girl that's playing piano on the shoulder, and she looks up and goes, Oh. Jeez. She knows him really well, yeah. and he sits down, and they kind of play together, and then she gets up and moves over, and then he plays three tunes, yeah. gets up, walks out. Wow, and, that's uh, crazy. That's or, exhilarating. You know, or you, you go down to Snug Harbor or DBA, and just you never know who you're going to see. There's yeah. All of a sudden, there's Jason Marcellus playing, playing vibes. Wow. 
oh, you know, it's crazy, and that's not even on the big stage. Yeah. So it's everybody's there at that time, and you get to see so much amazing music, and that's what it's all about, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you guys play a lot of festivals? I know, like most festivals nowadays, are more centered on heavier bands, but you guys go around and do any festivals? We do. We do festivals, and um, I, you know, I wish I could tell you a few that we have coming up, but. <coughs> but we, we've played a lot of festivals yeah. and with all kinds of different bands. I think we've done jam band festivals with Widespread Panic and oh, then wow. we've done you know, the Jazz Fest and we've done Playboy Jazz Festival and we've even done smooth jazz festivals or rock festivals. I, one, you know, since Dave Grohl is from here, yeah. one of them, I think back in the day, was Ben Harper, Foo Fighters, uh, Aquabats and us. Wow. And that was a day. And we were just sitting on the side stage watching everyone the whole time. I don't think I left the stage yeah. except to change my clothes and get up and play. Oh, and Blink, no, not Blink 182, but, but, uh, what's his name? Um, Travis Barker, Travis Barker was, was playing with, with Aquabats. Aquabats. Time, yeah. And I remember he was doing double duty at the time with Blink-182. Yeah. Um, but they, I think they were playing on another stage. Okay. And I remember saying, like, why would you leave the Aquabats? Yeah. <laughs> they were such a <coughs> Excuse me. Because I, I didn't know anything at that yeah. time. You know, I didn't know that, like, well, because I can make, you know, seven, 70 times the money. Yeah. Uh, but I went to, then that, you know, I saw him play with Aquabats and he had on this, you know, all the outfit and everything. Yeah. And then we played and he was standing side stage and uh, I, I think I hit my cymbal too hard and the whole cymbal stand just fell over. And he looks over and goes, you want me to? And I'm like, yeah. And he comes over and just picks it up while we're playing. Wow. Then I went and saw him play on the, on another stage and it was just a sea of people. And girls pulling their shirts up and he was <laughs> ripping on the drums and I went oh I get it yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't have that you can wear a shorts and tennis shoes and no shirt and just have tons of adoring fans and play this amazing music yeah. and I realized that and you're like okay I, I, I totally get what you're doing yeah uh, it's been a big learning experience for me like super nice guy too yeah he got me uh, uh, into Promark drumsticks, which I've okay. been playing ever since. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to have to wrap this up. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry if I was a little long. No, no. 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 We were more worried about taking up your time yeah. than ours. Yeah. Uh, to do today. So <laughs> you said you've got 10 dates on this run. Where else are you guys going to be playing? Uh, we are heading to New York City. Okay. And then we're also going to go to Annapolis and um, DC and. Uh, um, you know, you'll have to forgive me because I don't know. <laughs> the reason I ask is we, you know, we have listeners from all over the place. Oh so shoot! So I some of these upcoming shows. Oh man, I left my phone on the stage. You guys, too. you guys are on social media though. Yes, right. we are on social media. It's bigbadvoodoodaddy.com, and um, and yeah, I know we're going to be at Sony Hall in a couple days, and I know we're playing the Rams Head for a couple days in Annapolis. Rams Head, that's a beautiful place. The Birchmere, uh, which I believe is in D.C., and then. Um, you know, just outside of DC, and uh, and there's a couple more uh, shows, but I I you know I showed up on time. I got here, so I did my job. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again, Kurt. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome appreciate conversation. It. Oh, it was my pleasure. That was great questions. Thanks. Yeah. All right, we'll be back soon. Stay tuned.
Welcome back. That was a good one. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I had a good time talking with the guy. I almost like doing the off, like the afterward conversation too is always cool. So always learn a little bit more that we can't share. It's like, wow, really? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, any interview I do, like even some of the long ones, you know, I, I, I get to afterwards and start, you know, having a conversation with these guys and I'm like, shit, why couldn't I have just continued rolling on this, yeah. you know? And with that guy, like, I could have gone way longer with him, man. Oh, we could have. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, like... Such a downer earth for someone who's done so much and to be oh, like... Man. I'm going to be in Warren tonight opening this in a little rinky town, but then I'm going right to New York City afterwards. Yeah. Like, how do you, like, how does your mind handle yeah. that? Like, getting off a plane or a bus, whatever, going to sleep, waking up a little warm well, here. to them, like, every, you know, like you said, every show is, is a show. I like, know, like, all, I, you know? it's amazing. Yeah. But, you know, like, like you said, like, for somebody who's done what he's done, you know, like, they were on Party of Five. Mm-hmm. They were in the movie Swingers. They played a Super Bowl halftime show. Like, how many artists can say they've played a Super Bowl halftime show? And you, you got to think of this, too. That was 1999. The Super Bowl halftime show as we know it today was still in its infancy, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was good, it. but not great. Yeah. Just, they had, I think it was Gloria Estefan was like 90 or 91, something like that. But... They really, they had... Are you talking about the year or the age? Because she is not that old. No, no, I'm talking about the year. Oh, okay. You can see it like... Like a one-off, like, pop show during Super Bowls. Lori Estefan. I think she was still with Miami Sound Machine at the time. Um, But it was was in Miami, so they had her do it. But other than that, they did marching bands. So then all these other networks started doing Super Bowl halftime shit. Yeah. You know, uh, so then, you know, the NFL saw that and they're like, you know, they're pulling viewers away from us. So then in 93, they did Michael Jackson. And oh, that, that was great. Massive. So then they started doing like pop shows during the, the halftime show. You know, people always bitch about what, you know, who's playing the Super Bowl halftime show. But you know what? This is what I say to them. Are you planning on watching the Super Bowl regardless yep. of what the halftime show is? Their answer is always going to be yes. Well, then the Super Bowl halftime show isn't for you. The Super Bowl halftime show is to bring in people who aren't going to be watching the Super Bowl anyways. Casual fans. People who are going to tune in to the, the game to watch the halftime show. That's what they want. You know, the average Lady Gaga or Beyonce fan isn't going to be watching the Super Bowl. But they'll watch it because Beyonce or Lady Gaga is playing the halftime show. People don't seem to get that. It's a business. It's all about the ratings. You know? And they got them. Oh, yeah. It's I've never crazy. seen I've never seen a team in the Super Bowl I wanted to be there. But I still watch every Super Bowl every year. And you always pick a side, right? Uh, yeah. Who are you favoring this year? Who who do you think you're going to be rooting for? I want the Titans to go all the way. I do, Remember too. Because all the remember I the Titans. You know, I don't, I don't normally... Root for uh, another AFC team. I always go with the NFC team. You know, being a Steelers fan, I know I know people that are AFC like a fan of the Browns or another AFC team that always root for the AFC team, unless it's Patriots. 
You know, I know people that are NFC, an NFC team fan that'll always root for the NFC team. Yeah. You know, but me, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. Like, you know, if my team isn't there, I'm going to root for the NFC team. Just because I'm mad at, you know, whoever the AFC champ is, you know, fuck them. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Exactly. But, uh, I don't know. This year, like, it's not the Pats. It's not the Ravens. You know, I think I'm going to... I'm going to set my sights on the Titans, man. You know, the Saints got knocked out already, which I was pretty pissed off about because I was I was ready to go with the, you know, I was going to roll the Saints all the way, man. Yeah, Just like were. last year. But you were on Breeze's dick hard. Hey, hey, he's the GOAT, man. You had a vein imprint on your forehead. You were so close to him. He's the fucking GOAT. Yeah, he's number two. He'll always be number two to Brady because he don't have the rings. And it's sad. He's a great quarterback. He's an elite quarterback. But Best we've ever for seen. whatever reason, he got lucky the one year. But other than that, he cannot win the big games. Yeah. Man, could you like? Could you imagine if, if someone like Elway or Marino would have gotten, you know, Super Bowl wins? Elway got two of them. But I'm talking about more. Yeah. Like, I think like Elway was in one four. They do mention Elway. You know what? Like, Marino, I think Marino, Marino was a great quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback. No yeah. doubt, dude. Oh, yeah. No doubt. He really, he fought hard for yeah. years for that team. He. Yeah. Elway, too, man. Elway. Dude's one of the best. Yeah, I hate Elway because of what he did in the Browns. But the as drive. an adult, yeah, the as drive. an adult, though, now, <laughs> it's like, yeah, he was a great quarterback. He really was. I mean, he was out there. Remember, he was out there that last game. Remember, he tried to dive in the oh, goal yeah. line. He got hit and yep. flipped around. Yep. So, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to get some merch going for the show. Good idea. Sometime in the near future. T-shirts, stickers, whatever. Coffee mug. I need a coffee mug for the show. Yes. Um, Planet Chaos Coffee Mug. Yeah. Something isn't there, isn't there a printing place out by the mall, like past Mall Gerard? Something like that. Yeah. They always had that big ugly picture on a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about getting some merch going, uh, get us out at some events. I'm really like I'm really wanting to work with these sunrise guys, get out to their events, you know, That'd set, be up great. The turbo, set up a table, interview the acts, sell some merch. We can interview random people from the crowd, you know. Yeah, yeah add some more content to the show. Yeah, you know, I want to get. I want to. I want to put together some events here pretty soon too. I've been kind of slacking on that. You know, because like I, I pretty much have an open invitation to come down and do stuff at Chippers whenever I want. Just give them a date and you know they'll keep it open for me. You should do that on a set, like a Saturday night kind of thing, like. Yeah. Do like like just record like a segment of like randomly asking people questions or we'll, we'll figure something out. I, just, I think that'd be a fun thing to do. What do like a man on the street sort of thing? Yeah, like a man on the street sort of thing. Yeah, asking people's opinions about things and yeah. Yeah, I mean if if someone comes up with a cool concept for it that I think would be yeah. funny and provide some good content, yeah, I totally. Maybe do that ask Chippers we can give away like free drink tokens, have like a little game going or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, definitely down for anything that's gonna provide content and you know generate some listeners yeah. yes thank you to our 20 people that listened to us last week <laughs> um but yeah um we're gonna start wrapping things up um 
you know, as always, you guys know we are in several places where you can listen, download, whatever. You know, I'm not used to the whole download thing on, on the show. Like, where, where most of my listeners have come from has been streaming or live listening or whatever. Well, we have a we used to do the show, though. That's why. Well, we, used to do, we used to do the show live. Yeah. You know, the first run of Planet Chaos was live. And, you know, that's where most of our listeners came from. Then we'd have some people listen to the repeat. You know, and that was before we got with iHeart and all them, you know. And then Midnight Hour... It was mostly streams. I'd get a few downloads here and there, but I think with it being on Google and Apple now, we're you know because you can't stream on those; those you have to download to listen. So I think that's where our downloads are coming from. Yeah, which I'm fine with. It's just I got to look at it like we don't just have X amount of listeners; we also have Y amount of downloads, which you know adds up. And yeah, but uh, of course uh, you could hear us on Spreaker. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Deezer, and Podcast Addict. Um, we're on social media as well. On uh, Facebook is Planet Chaos. And uh, on Instagram is at Planet Chaos Radio. Um, of course, you can find me on Facebook as well, Brandon Chaos, B-R-A-N-D-Y-N Chaos. Uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter at Brandon underscore Chaos, and uh, head on over to Amazon and buy my fucking book, you turds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you fucking schmucks. Go buy my book, Brandon Chaos Bedtime Stories on Amazon. It's a good book. I'm coming out with a new one soon, hopefully too. And then uh, I think next week I'm gonna make an announcement about uh, something new I'm working on. Um, oh yeah, my website too. Uh, it's uh, brandonchaos.wordpress.com. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we don't have any guest book for next week right now. Well, Eric will be here. Eric from Drink Up Young Sound will be here. I forgot about that. He's actually coming this time. Um, he completely forgot. He was supposed to be on our first episode. Shit happens, but uh, he'll be here for sure. I'm gonna have to uh, connect with him this week and just confirm everything. Um. I know there's some shows going on at, uh, at the Robbins Theater I'm going to try to get out to get some interviews. Um, America will be there and Donnie Iris will be there. Donnie Iris is kind of on my bucket list for interviews I want to do, so I'm really going to try to get in and get some interviews with him. So uh, hopefully we have all that going for us next week. If not, you know, we'll have Eric. Uh, maybe I'll bring in somebody else too. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back again next week, everybody. Goodbye. Everybody solo! Our windows, but I don't really know what you got to roll.
Hoping that you pull out some fire and dough Got my own lighter, you know I can match a bowl Hoping that you're waiting with a joint after the show